hungry? Let's see what's cooking on TV. It's a belly full of laughs with a cast of seasoned characters in the Bugs Bunny Thanksgiving Diet Special. Happy Thanksgiving. Then, blast away the TV doldrums. I'm Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. The supreme adventure awaits. The ultimate challenge beckons. The clash of good versus darkest evil. The friendships of a lifetime. The family favorite of all time. The Force will be with you. Star Wars Wednesday. My parents, City. my parents are beeping and having me uh, come out to the car again. Uh, yes, New York City. Uh, we're here again. We are again. Oh, oh, we're back. We're back again. Welcome. Better than ever. Welcome to uh, another uh, exciting, exciting installment of Saturday Night <laughs> Movie Sleepovers. Uh, I'm Dion Baya. I'm Jay Blake. We got everyone's here. We're back. Um, I got a uh, uh, a story I want to tell at the beginning, Ooh. and um, Ooh, a story. Uh, Blake get, doesn't know anything about comfy. it. <laughs> yeah, take your <laughs> shoes off. Put them back on, actually. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, let's see if, if if we can figure out um, my meaning here. Where um, uh, my wife and I on Halloween, we, we took in uh, in the city. They do a lot of like fun stuff, and we saw that at this place called the Film Forum, they were gonna do some movies in 3D, and uh-huh. we're like, oh crap, nice. let's 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 go check out some 3D movies. Uh, they were playing a whole bunch of them, but we went to see a double feature. We went to see Vincent Price's House of Wax, which we, I watched on Halloween in 3D at home. Did you? I had my own little sleepover. Well, we <laughs> we vicariously watched it together because I watched I my, that. I had my own little by myself. <laughs> Uh, was it Saturday? Yeah, it was Saturday. Or it was a Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday. It was, just, it was just past Halloween. I mean, we're we're now going. Uh, this is like two months old or a month old as uh, as of this cast being posted. Uh, so you know, f- first of all, I don't want to make this story very long winded, but like it took me like a month and a half to get the tickets because every time they kept advertising 3D and then you go buy the tickets, they're not available. So I kept calling the box office. Hey, when the heck are you going to put these up? Because I feel like there's going to be a run for these movies. They were playing like Dial in for Murder. Uh, we went to see, as well with House of Wax, we went to see The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Nice. So they were basically playing all the original, well, all the movies they were playing were like the 50s movies that they that had come out in 3D. And I didn't realize until we were there <coughs> that I thought it was just going to be like the red and blue glasses. No. No, exactly. What, what it was is well, apparently even back then it was like the stereoscopic. It wasn't really the red and blue like you get even at the home. F- even in the fifties, it wasn't oh, apparently the red okay. and blue. It, that's what just what they gave you. Because on the on the on the House of Wax Blu-ray, there's like a whole featurette. Was is so the Blu-ray you have is that 3D? Or yeah. you, you didn't watch that bootleg you and I bought some no, years ago? No, I didn't ago? watch that. One. Okay, we uh, bought a bootleg. I have, though I do have that. Yeah, <laughs> we we found a bootleg site that did actually did 3D movies, so we bought it, which I think we alluded to a couple. Yeah, we've ago. talked about it. Uh, maybe in the Halloween casts. Uh, so uh, yeah, they, they give you the glasses. You go see now 3D movies in the in the movies with, and it was really cool. It's like, oh, this is great. So uh, I realized Halloween morning, I'm like, shit. There, I'm going to the film forum. That is about a half a block away from the goddamn Halloween parade. 
I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to have to deal with all these crazy nuts down there. Because the Halloween parade in New York is, like, as big as the Thanksgiving Day yeah, Parade. it's a and, big deal. And, you know, it's almost as, as big as, like, the Gay Pride Day Parade where people are just going absolutely crazy, you know. So. Same, same crowd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was, and I was like, oh, my God, that's the last thing we want to do. I don't want to see anybody. The whole point was we're going to the movies. So uh, we got in. We, 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 you know, we got to the cinema. It was fine. Got the tickets. Uh, knowing me, I snuck a little booze in, which was all right. We start watching House of Wax, Vincent Price. Great freaking audience. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's respectful. Everyone's laughing in the right places. I can't believe, uh, since you're familiar with it, since you just watched it, about two or three. I've never seen that projected 3D. Yeah, yeah. And two or three of the uh, tricks that all my life I said, hey, that would probably really look cool 3D, they still held up. Like the part with the guy with the ball on the outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Everyone yeah. was like, you know, moving their heads yeah, and like yeah. screaming about that. And then the other thing that stands out for me is at the end of the movie when um, – Charles Bronson is trying to stop the cop. There's a scene where it's like you see the cop trying to get the door, and it looks like Charles Bronson stands up in the frame and then runs, and it looks like he's standing up in the theater. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, oh my God, that worked. You know, so hats off to them. But the audience is really cool. So, movie side, ends. side note. Yeah. That movie, the guy that directed that movie only had one eye. Oh, perfect. So he actually couldn't see. 3D. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he had to really trust he, his DP. He, he couldn't <laughs> see in three dimensions. So uh, it was a lot of trusting his DP and like math. Yeah. Like really strategically figuring out what was going to work like by not looking at it. That's crazy. And there's a lot of good tricks in it. I mean, like when you get into the 80s 3D, like with, you know, Jaws 3, Friday 13th Part 3, there is a lot of gimmicky, gimmickery yeah, yeah. in it. But this one, there is gimmicks, but the gimmicks are a little more practical and they're fun. They're not just like, you know, at your face and, and a lot of them I'd say for the most part especially for House of Wax it succeeded and it was good yeah. so the movie ends uh, you know there's a break uh, not I don't, I don't think everyone is doing what we're doing because the, there's about a 20 minute m- window before the next movie starts so we yeah. went out went to the bathroom we sit back in uh, they're showing a little feet uh, a little short it's the Three Stooges and it's a Three Stooges 3D movie very fun audience is laughing it's a different crowd Creature from the Black Lagoon starts and they laugh at it like it's a fucking comedy the entire way through. And, like, you know, it really gets us pissed off, Blake and I. <laughs> and as well as my wife, because it's like, okay, it's funny. Okay, if it's hokey, it's funny once or twice. But then for people to, to, to laugh the entire way through this, this really respected 50s cult classic universal horror movie, as well as... You know, it's not like you're going to general mission to, like, the theater up the street. You know, yeah, the yeah. film forum is a place supposedly where if you're a fan of the movie, you're going to see the movie. So it's like it's a, the audience there is supposed to be fans of the, of the movie. As well as being in the village, the pseudo-intellectual aspect of, like, oh, we're hipsters. We know what's going on. We're, you know, we're the smarter, you know. And they really ruined the movie. The whole movie was like just like oh, laughing. I'm and, sorry to hear that. You know, and then I, I, at one point I said, I was like, I didn't know this movie was a fucking comedy. And then my wife's like, shut up. Don't say anything. <laughs> and it just, and the reason why I bring it up, and I was so pissed off, and I've had a month that just percolate on this. And, <laughs> you know, and it, yeah, it's stewed in my own um, basin. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm not as mad anymore. But I brought it up on the cast. One, to just talk about how horrible audiences are nowadays. Anywhere you go. It's too that you and I experienced this a number of years ago when we went and saw the uh, George Romero Martin screening at our school for Yeah, for well, that was even for class. Yeah. I mean, this has happened, you know, I, I, you know, I live in Manhattan, so, you know, but here's the, here's the, the rub yeah. with Manhattan is that it's expensive. Yeah. And so 
you know, you live in this like cultural like epicenter and you want to try to take advantage of the things that it has to offer. And they do have a lot to offer. They yeah, do like this. like the museums or yeah. screenings or concerts or whatever. I mean, Broadway or not even, or even off. Sometimes they're off Broadway is even better than what's going on. on sometimes Broadway. Danny Elfman's doing a live rendition <laughs> of his <laughs> show that you can go Lake see. Lincoln Center, you go see Danny Elfman. Which I ended up watching. You saw that live and then they, they screened oh, it yeah, on it was PBS. On oh, it was PBS. great. Yeah. Um, like uh, something related, I went to see something. We could talk about it a little later. It's semi-related to, to today's movie, but um, but it's expensive, so you have to work to be able to live here. So yeah. sometimes you get so busy that you can't, you don't end up doing anything. You just live in like your tiny, you know, box apartment, and then you just work, and you're like not taking advantage of what New York City has to offer. But so I, every a few times a year, like I get to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm not doing anything here. What's the point of living in New York if you're not going to do stuff? So <laughs> don't then, jump, Blake. So don't then jump. you. So then you make an asserted effort to try to do the stuff. So for me, since I love movies and music, I do go to a lot of concerts, but part of it is trying to go out to see, like, cool film screenings. And so that's a long way to bring me around to, like, I hear you, because, like, I went to go see, a couple years ago, I went to go see Halloween, the movie Halloween, at, like, the Museum of the Moving Image. You know, that th this is funny you're saying this, because I went next day I went right back to work and I told a good friend of mine, who's a contributor to the Podwood site that I'm part of, that we're sisters' site. And he said, he brought this example. He goes, yeah, a couple years ago I went to see Halloween. So I wonder if he went to the same screening you did. He might have. And he said they laughed through it, and he was like so upset. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny, and you just John Carpenter's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> the classic. But, you know, it, it, part of it, you got to separate yourself, and you got to be like, okay, whatever, you know. Um, and you have to recognize that a movie like that, like Halloween, it's like, it is, there's so many cliches, and but, you know, it's hard to separate, and you want to tell these people, like, these things are only cliche because that, yeah, that John Carpenter did them in this movie. Well, I guess that's, <laughs> yeah, you know, but, it, you know, like, it, it, it's not funny that she does the, that she fucking runs up the stairs or whatever, you know, it's not. But I see, that's why it's like, I feel like we've assembled an audience, uh, of fellow movie listeners and movie watchers that, that, that are just like us, that like movies that aren't necessarily the best or the worst. But you just like them. Yeah, and, and you know, we're, we're edumacated enough that we could put on a, you know, our, our, our nostalgia hats and sit down and say, okay, you know what? I'm watching maybe a hokey movie from the 40s <coughs> or 60s or 70s, but inherently we know that this comes with baggage and we could see, you know, like why it's cheesier, why it's good to you. But then when you go into a venue where, like you're saying, where people had to buy tickets to see that particular yeah, Halloween. Yeah. So it's like, they're like, let's go. And then you're going to go and then rag on it. And it's different if the, there's laughs where the laughs are meant to be. And it's like, oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. But if they're just laughing, like with the creature in the back lagoon, every time you'd see the creature, it was like, dun, dun, dun. So they'd laugh at that m music cue or you'd see his hand. And, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Creature is one of the movies where, you know, the Universal had made a bunch of horror movies in the 30s. They stopped making them. There was a revival of Universal horror. And then in the 50s, when the revival was on, they're like, let's make some more movies. And the creature was the creature or the monster that they made a new movie with. And it still holds up as like a freaky movie. Almost yeah, to the yeah. part, going back to our last cast, Harry and the Andersons, where you kind of feel bad for the creature. They're invading his land. And he's like, you know. And, uh, and, and especially this, the makeup effects look great. He, he, he very much yeah. looks like the Predator. You yeah, know, yeah, the suit. Is the suit I mean, is amazing. Really neat. I mean, he's. I mean, there's beautiful underwater photography where this 
you know, creed. And it's almost kind of psychological. Where there's a lot of cool scenes where, like, you know, the girl for whatever reasons just you know in the in the Amazon River swimming around, and the creatures below her yeah, underwater, yeah. and he's swimming with her. It's like some cool psychological stuff. Yeah. And well, if you ever, if you're for those out there that you know, I would recommend you see the movie first. But of course, um, Joe Bob Briggs has written two books. I mean, he's written more than two books, but the two books that are off the top of my head, uh, the first one's called Profoundly Disturbing. And then the second one is called Profoundly Erotic, I think. Which I think we just brought up as well in the last past cast. Which we might have. Um, because Telling you Joe Bobbert. Yeah, because he signed my, my copy of Profoundly Disturbing. And I can't remember which one he talks about. Which one of them has a chapter about Creature from the Black Lagoon. It might be profoundly erotic, actually. I mean, yeah. I mean, because, um, you know, it's, it's that So if you ever want to read, like, a really great, like, essay on it, an- an- I might have analysis. to go search that out. Because it's a good movie. I mean, you know, they go looking for him, and it's one of these things where, you know, is he necessarily the bad guy because they're trying to kill him and bring him back while the other guy's like, we need to study him. You know, and it, it, it's, a, it's great special, universal. It's great special effects, but it just... So upset me that you know your movie experience is ruined because people are just like, ha, 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 you know, it's, <coughs> ah. it's so tough. I mean, you you kind of brought up like the worst, probably the first time that happened to me, and like the worst was when in class, yeah, in a, in like a film, you know. Analysis like film theory class. People who say that they're film students of film, (laughs) they're there literally to learn. (laughs) To learn about. And what do they do? They laugh at what they're seeing. We watched Martin by George Romero, which is still uh, one of my all-time faves. Very Um, underrated, very dated, but at the same time, super dated. It has a lot of profound ideas that still haven't been really explored in the in the uh, genre of vampires. Yeah. But, uh, and it's low budget, and it's because it's so low budget, it's very dated. And it's George Romero. You know, George Romero can either... And people just fucking laughed right through it, and it, you and I were stewing in the back, like the back row. Well, I think we even said stuff a couple yeah, times. Yeah, we, 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 we complained to the teacher. And Dion can hold a grudge, and there's still people in that class that I still hold a grudge <laughs> with that I know. Damn you. Yeah. Ruin our Martin screen. I mean, because, and and, you know, you're supposed to be... You're, you're presenting yourself as an intellectual who, who was like, oh, I'm learning about this. Then you laugh at it. So that's what really upset me. So, but thank the fucking Lord that didn't laugh through the Vincent Price's yeah. House of Wax because I would have got up and started killing people. Uh, that's, you know, well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's great. That it sucks that the second one was ruined for you, but it's awesome that the first one went so well, and it's awesome that it was first. Yeah. So that like, so that the creature, if the play, creature from the Black Lagoon was first. Oh, and then we went into Vincent. Oh, you Jesus. would have been upset. Yeah, it ruined the whole experience. <laughs> you would have ruined, it would have ruined House of Wax. I would have had my gun out, and any, any, anybody who says anything, they're like, shut up! <laughs> Fuck you! So, but it, that was a good experience, and they looked great, and then uh, House of Wax didn't look that much remastered, but I think maybe because Creature is universal, it had some brand spanking There is a 4K, blue. 4 bazillion print. There was some box set that came out uh, on Blu-ray of the Universal movies, and uh, they did present it as the, on Blu-ray in both 3D and 2D. And it's funny, uh, to harken back to our Halloween cast, uh, we were talking about the Blob remake. Uh, we did a cast on that, and then we talked about the original, we brought up Steve McQueen uh, being in the original Blob, and you brought up, like, oh, I wonder if he's one of the actors who, you know, got his start in a horror movie, and I thought to myself... I'm a huge Clint Eastwood fan, and Clint Eastwood's first movie is the sequel to Creature from the Black Lagoon, oh, yeah, yeah, Return yeah. of the Creature, and he plays like a bumbling lab assistant in it, which I've still never seen that the, the sequel to Creature. So it's like maybe, there, maybe there you we'll, go. Maybe we'll do it. Do a One double feature. <laughs> 
don't don't bust my balls. <laughs> now now you now you're playing with my balls. So hey, anyway, anyway, long sorry. Way. It was a big intro. I had to have. I had to. If you're still listening, thank yeah, you. I had to air some gripes, and hopefully you're just as mad as I am, people out there, because I'm sure you've experienced that in the past with your baby, or even nowadays going to see like a comedy in the theaters. Like even if it's a funny comedy, it sucks because people will laugh so hard you'll miss the next joke, and that always pisses me off. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, shut up! I want to hear the movie. I used to have a buddy when I was in high school, and uh, we went to the movies a few times together. But if people laughed at just laughed at shit that wasn't supposed to be funny he would get so like we went to see absolute power is that the clint eastwood movie yeah gene hackman where he's, we went to he's see that burglar. and people would like people would laugh at stuff he's like it's not funny <laughs> he's like good for him he's like yelling that's not even funny what are you laughing at clint's a burglar <laughs> gene hackman's the bad guy oh that's funny. Good old days. That's funny. How ironic is that? So, yeah, welcome to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. We're doing another Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. Which is fun, and it's like... It's a one-year anniversary of our last Thanksgiving special. Yeah. <laughs> and we did, last year, we did John Hughes, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Great movie. And it's... You uh, s- listen to it if you haven't yet. Yes, please. Yeah, I we had a lot of fun re- on it. <clears throat> I don't even remember... We talked about a lot of stuff that time. Yeah. I mean, uh, all things Steve it Martin, was a, John was Candy. Ago, so... It was a long time ago. Um, but it's like you th- in the pantheon of Thanksgiving movies. You think, you think, oh, yeah, there's tons of them. But I, it's like hard to find Thanksgiving that are bona fide Thanksgiving movies. And this year, it's like, let's do another holiday movie because for some reason, you and I both kind of drift to our seasonal viewing, which I think people do. Yeah, I mean, at some point, at some point we might. We might run not, out of product. <laughs> yeah, well, one for Thanksgiving, we might run out of product. But uh, we like to be topical. You know, the only problem I find I see with it is that, like... You don't, you're not going to want to listen to it? And no, well, th- there's that. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully the movies we're doing are good enough or, or loved enough that yeah. it doesn't, you don't have to listen to it at Thanksgiving, but... Um, They're evergreens. We only, it's just that we, you know, we have so few movies yeah. to do, you know? I mean, not... I mean, we have so many movies that we'd love to do, but there's so only so many slots. I mean, like, we get requests... And, you know, yeah, we, thank you for we, the request. <laughs> and we want to do everything. Well, we're already so, into January so, or so February. So many yeah. movies, so little time. Yeah, you know. And so, you know, that's the only problem. I think eventually we might find that we might have to, st- at some point, start to forgo the seasonal things just so that we can start making room. Yeah. But for now, and when we hit that we're, stretch we're staying in, strong yeah. with our seasonal fix. And when we hit the, that stretch in January, Jesus. I mean, we've already got movies lined up, stacked up that we have, like, I can name a half a dozen off the top of my head that were like, yeah, let's do them. And it's like, well, when? It's like, I don't know. Some of them are requests. Some of them are ones that you and I just want to do. Yeah. Some of them are... are we're going to have to start doing the show daily. I know. Jeez. <laughs> Christ. I mean, we did it weekly. We, we did we did five we weeks not, of, not, of... Yeah, and then we're not seven. Maybe we'll do seven episodes a week. We'll, we'll do only five. Do, we'll do five or six. We'll do banker's hours. <laughs> Monday through Friday, nine to five. Yeah, well, October, you're right. October was a... For, if there, for some reason, God threw us a fifth week in October. So we we filled... We had six casts come out, I think, in October. Yeah. We had three, four that you and I did. We I had think an, people uh, are still trying to catch up on yeah, that. Yeah, we had the premiere of the, the side cast, and then we had the um, the one you did with uh, Dave, we our, had our, our We had our first original side cast for Sleepover Movie. Yeah. Which, by the way, I just want to say, you know, you and I are strong proponents. We're taking a really fucking long time getting to our movie today. Sorry, I was setting the table. <laughs> it's also... <laughs> you, it's a lot of... You guys uh, also don't understand that, like, when since we started doing this a year ago, like, Deanne and I have been, like, in constant contact with each other. 
in terms of like text or we get together all the time to do these movies. But for some reason, in terms of when we've been doing them, it, this has been like the longest stretch of time that you and I haven't seen or even like had like intense like texting. Nice, There's true. been like a couple of weeks where like so we're a little bit deprived of Deanna yeah. Blake. So we're just yeah, we're just <laughs> catching up here. We're getting a lot of business out of the way. But I want to say, you know, you and I are strong proponents of like the aerial uh, antenna television. Oh, God bless it. The 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 the, the <laughs> antenna on your roof getting free television that everyone should know. And uh the other day, and I actually I didn't work last week. I was working on a on a project at home. Um Discovered that a channel called Heroes and Icons. Yeah, I know. Great Combat. channel. But one and two o'clock in the afternoon, two episodes, 21 Jump Street. Oh, Jesus. That's your, <laughs> that's your baby. You threw that's every, my jam. You just turned everything off. You took your <laughs> pants off and you sat down. You're like, but the I'm funny, not working. But the funny thing is Dave, who I did the uh, Silver Bullet cast with. Yeah. He, too, I turned him on to 21 Jump Street a few years ago. And uh, he's currently... Uh, Got he's a home during the day currently, and so like all week we'd be like watching and texting. He's each a other night watching during the, the twenty one jump street. So you're so actually you're you're kind of like it's like people who uh, tweet live. Yeah, tweet, yeah. Live and texting. then as we finished on Friday, we watched two episodes, great episodes of Twenty One Jump Street, and then on movies. Yes, which is Silver, another Silver Bullet came on, which is the movie you did. And, and movies and is then the D- channel that also you get and off the air. And then that Dion, and then Dave and I sat there and tweeted back. Uh, Texted back and forth all through Silver Bullet. <laughs> so you rewatched Silver Bullet. <laughs> so Dave and I watched Silver Bullet again. I, I couldn't. And I, I said to Dave, I said, I think we need to do an, another Silver Bullet cast next year, just uh, part two. It's the, it's or the, com- at least maybe a commentary. There you go. God, I don't know what it is, but he and I just fucking love that movie. But it's a we great sat movie. there and just texted each other all through Silver Bullet on movies with commercials. Uh, how? Um, yes, we love. Anybody uh, who I think lives in an area, you know, pe- people nowadays pay like $600 a month for cable. And they still give it to you free over the airwaves if you have an antenna and you have a uh, converter well, not, box. Well, they don't give you cable, but they give you a shitload of really cool stuff. Nowadays, yeah. I mean, t- compared to, say, six years ago when I w- had no cable, they, you had about 10 channels. And now, because when they went over to analog to digital, uh, the digital capacity, they have to kind of fill the space. And I think it's kind of required, you know, like, and, and a lot of. Uh, uh, channels are realizing that you know we can have one channel like NBC dedicated to all our primetime bullshit, and then we can have a side channel like Point Two that's actually just gonna we can just open up our vaults and just play all of our yeah, stuff yeah. we have rights to, and it yeah. becomes like it a uh, like every uh, like network affiliate or whatever seems like they have like a certain amount of slots. Like they don't just have Channel Three anymore. They yeah, have three point one, three point two. Now, you know, they're going into their archive. It's great. And they're filling it up with reruns. You know, you got, like, Buzzer, which we've talked about. Yeah, the game great. show thing. Great game show. Uh, the Heroes and Icons. Grit. Grit is a great <laughs> channel. Is Escape. Uh, Get know, TV. Get TV. Decades. Antenna TV. Decades. Cozy. Uh, Me. Cozy. Me, T- Me TV is actually one of my favorites yeah. now. Um, there's a Spin whole. Ghoulie on Saturday night. Uh, I just watched it last <laughs> night before uh, I came up meeting with you. Uh, I mean, the whole, the whole MeTV Saturday night is amazing. I mean, we're going on and on about a bit, but at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, it's Superman into Wonder Woman. And it's an hour Superman, the old, um, uh, what's his face? George Reeve. George Reeve show. And then it's Wonder Woman. And, and Jesus, I don't, I don't get sick of seeing Linda Carter f- 
turn around. I had such a crush on Linda Carlisle. I still do. I'm still like, holy shit, look at that fucking thing. And then you're right. (laughs) Then Batman 66 comes on. No, yes, Batman 66, then Star Trek. Star Trek, yeah. The first uh, series. And then into Sphinguli, and then when you're doing Sphinguli, you think Lost you're over. Space, right? You have Lost in Space, and then uh, after that, you have uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, which I'm freaking loving now. Which is basic. I watched an episode of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea last night, where basically uh, the captain uh, got stuck with a guy who was a time traveler from a different time, and he was kind of like playing the H.G. Wells kind of guy, and he was. F- uh, fucking around and messing with the crew of this of this of this the the, the, the Sea View the, the submarine ship. Basically, he played Q. <laughs> it was Q. He was, was origi- Q. He, he was, was the original, original Q. Q. And, and and Richard Basso was like, I don't know what you're doing here. What's <laughs> happening? And he's like, he has stopwatches and he's hitting the stopwatches and he's and then all the crews like, we're back in time or we're forward or whatever. It was awesome. Well, you know, the, I mean, just the beautiful. I think the reason why we talk about it so much on this show is that it's just like, you know, it so brings us back to a time where like the sleepover movie was yeah. a big thing for us. So it's just another outlet of like, yeah, I mean, you know, of I, nostalgia. There was a, a time in my life, <laughs> sadly, l- probably less than 10 years ago where like, you know, Saturday night was, I was getting ready to go out and I was going to, you know, I'd be out of the house by nine, ten o'clock. I'd be out all night partying till like three, four in the morning, come back, fall asleep, watching a movie. There's nothing happier for me now on a weekend than just getting maybe a beer or two, sitting down on the couch and just turning the TV on and watching like, me TV's freaking <laughs> lineup of, of stuff, you yeah, know, freaking yeah. Wonder Woman or Saturday Batman night movie or Saturday movie or. sleepovers. Um, yeah, so so all these channels are great, and yeah, Heroes and Icons. I've seen that new channel too, but all I see at night when I watch it, they always just play combat with Vic Morrow, and it's like that's, yeah, that's yeah. like the only. <clears throat> it's like the Stephen J. Canal fucking channel because yeah. like it's you know when you sit there and you watch like the afternoon lineup. It's just like they all end with Stephen K- J. Canal at the at the typewriter. And he flips it up. <laughs> 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 I think every show. They play Hunter, the Commission, Combat, Jeez. Uh, uh, Maddox. Maddox. See, Great. some of those are... Those are oh, Hunter. Yeah. I haven't watched a Hunter in like... 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching a little bit of Hunter. Hunter's night. freaking great. Jesus. It's like all the stuff you forget. I mean, I'm in the, I'm, I'm in season two deep into Kojak and I'm just blowing my mind. Telly Savalas and Kojak. It's like all these shows. I actually plan this now with my wife. I'm like, you know, when we're in our forties, we're going to rewatch all the murder she wrote. <laughs> da, 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 you know? So it's like, and we just bought the X-Files complete oh. season thing about six months ago with, with the two movies. And now as of getting this recording already for the show, right? Yeah, they're 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 rebooting it with like six or ten episodes and they look great, so I'm very excited. Ex- excuse to watch. You but better, you better get watching. I know. There's a lot of look <laughs> at like twelve years hey, worth of this point in my life my D V R watches more television than I do. I'm so behind on on shows. I'm actually we've always talk about where I'm actually turning shows down because I don't have the time to watch them. So anyway. Anyway, listen, this we is Thanksgiving. We didn't even grasp yeah, to we, digress. Yeah, we're, the car's still in like friggin' <laughs> I I'm just grinding those gears. Uh, getting into first. So we're doing a movie this week that is near and dear to, to I think, to Blake, your heart. I, I guess it is, yeah. Uh, it's one that I kind of, when we when we decided to do Trains, Planes, and Automobiles last year this was the This was the second word out of your mouth. This <laughs> was like... Oh, you know which one we should have done? We should have done Dutch. <laughs> and, but, but you know what? That's what we're doing this year. We're doing Dutch uh, from 1991. 
starring the amazing Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. And uh, Ethan Embry. Ethan Embry, a build there is Ethan Randall. Yeah, really weird. <laughs> but uh, Ethan Embry, the, the beautiful and talented Joe Beth Williams. Yeah. From Poltergeist. God, God bless her. She's still looking great in this movie. And we also have that guy that I said last night was, hey, it's that dude. And it was Christopher McDonald. Christopher McDonald like, or Shooter McGavin. For yeah. You've happy Gilmore fans. He's always, he's always that asshole in a movie. And, uh, he's great. He's great. And we that. even had a cameo by Kathleen Friedman, who uh, people will know her face anywhere. But I think to, to give you an example now, she is the nun at the beginning of Blues Brothers. Ah. You know her? That's like telling yeah, them, yeah. you know, they have to, and he's like, fuck this noise. And she's hitting him with the rulers. That's. We got E.G. Daly, who uh, is in. Uh, Pee Wee Herman. I, you know, I was, I was, I'm watching her, and I'm like, I know her from somewhere with those close-ups. Uh, we'll get into it. And then, it, yeah, she's, uh, uh, what is she, uh, uh, Dottie, maybe? Yeah, yeah. In Pee Wee, she, she's Pee Wee's love interest, who he has no uh, interest in whatsoever. She's and big she, voice actress. She's too. going on to do, she's Tommy Pickles in um, uh, Rugrats, and she's going on to do, like, a huge, huge career in, in voice work, which is freaking yeah. really, really cool. And then her partner in the movie... Gary Myers. Gary Myers, everyone will know from Kate and Allie. Kate and Allie was one of the daughters in Kate and Allie. Yeah, and now she uh, she does some other stuff too. But it's it's like all these people just show up and it's like, oh, you know, it's like a big family reunion. <laughs> it's like a big old family reunion. <laughs> it's a big old... And speaking of reunions, the thing that I find most... I don't know why I'm so fascinated by this, and you and I have talked about it before, is that Ed O'Neill and Ethan... Oh, the dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, f- I, I, I see. This is, it's like <laughs> w- w- you and I are like yin and yang, where this is your uh, circle of it. My circle is what they did 10 years later. It's like, you know, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. It, but it's so, it's, I don't know why I find it so weird, but then they are both in like 10 years later in that Dragnet yeah, reboot. They show. rebooted, uh, uh, what's his face? Dick Wolf, who does uh, Law and Order, rebooted Dragnet in 2003. And they did, they got two seasons out of it. Two seasons out of it. And it was really, really fucking awesome on, on, in L.A. And then when they got to season two, Dick Wolf was like, let's try to make it more like Law and Order. So Ethan Embry was like, you know, it, well, uh, Ed O'Neill played Jack Webb. Ethan, en- Ethan Embry, I think, played maybe Harry Morgan's uh, character, Bill Gannon, or he might have played somebody else. But they were the two partners. And it was a great, great show. And then come season two, when they tried to make it more like Law and Order, they wanted to make it more like a squad team. So they had like a group yeah. of detectives and Embry wasn't really into it. So he bailed and. Ed O'Neill stuck out for another season, and you got the girl from Desperate Housewives, uh, the little girl that everyone thinks is very cute, whose name escapes me, but it was before Desperate Housewives, so she was part of the detective yeah, yeah. team. And then it got canceled after that, and I don't think it's available on DVD, which sucks. But I got so it on that I, I offer. That show is a, it's a Dutch reunion. Yeah, it's weird because, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, they're playing detective partners, so it's like Ed O'Neill's the seasoned detective, and he's the young. He's not that young. He's like just like the younger-looking, younger detective, and it's not like there's no sense that like he's trying to learn him it's basically yeah, yeah. just like the the dragnet relationship of joe friday versus them and so it's and then you realize 10 years well, i guess more than that maybe like 13 years earlier yeah, yeah. they were doing dutch together no, so I, they uh, must have there must have been huge high fives the first day on set <laughs> like yay we're back together <laughs> and it feels so <laughs> good the band back together. all right now i am i don't know why i've always been a really big ethan Embry fan just always like them. And when you live in New York City and you're walking down the street. Oh, don't tell me you've seen Ethan Embry. You often see people. Yeah. Like celebrities. And I'd never, ever say anything to anybody. You know, I, one, what am I going to say? Two, you don't want to bother somebody. He could be in the condom aisle for all you know. <laughs> you know, a little shout out to our Lance Guest story. Yeah. Uh, but you see people all the time. And there was one day, I think coming to meet you, because it was on 6th Avenue near where you work. 
uh, I walked by Ethan Embry. What and, what stage of life was this? Either was this heavy Ethan Embry because he gained a bunch of weight ten years ago? I don't know. I think he was looking all right. I mean, it wasn't no, not that he was looking bad. But remember, it he was, was in within the, the last ten years, probably. Remember, he was in the pilot for uh, Masters of Horror. Yeah, yeah. The first episode, he was playing like that football player, and he gained like I'd say like fifty pounds. He was a heavier guy. Um, now he's back to thin again. And I will admit, I didn't say anything to him, but he's the one person I've seen. That I, regret, that I regret. That I well, other than Lance Guest, so he's the second person. How about I've John seen. Lithgow? Didn't you? You saw you walked a block and a half with him, and you said I you did. I did. I mean, I guess I always say I wish I said something, but he's one that I was like, I really wish I just went to Ethan Embry. Like, hey man, big fan. Yeah, <laughs> big I love you. Your in, stuff. I loved you in Dragnet. Dragnet. Uh, Dutch. <laughs> he's Dutch. He's great in Dutch. Uh, can't hardly wait. Is a, is Can't hardly wait. I forgot about Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, he plays Rusty in the third vacation movie, which is why he's in that commercial. It's now. a weird commercial with him and Christy Brinkley. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's a commercial out now. I think it's a car commercial, but they're really, really, really um, banking on the fact that you have the knowledge of the vacation movies, which yeah, I think kids the third for the Vegas vacation. Yeah, so I think the kids nowadays don't. So it might just seem an odd commercial to them. Like who's uh, the older that thing girl? you do? Great Tom Hanks directorial debut. Never saw that, too. He's in that. He's great in that. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, the the cast, and, you know, we love Ed O'Neill, you know. Joe Beth Williams from Poltergeist. Uh, Ever since Poltergeist. She's so hot in Poltergeist. She's still hot. She's still that little ginger. Of course, Chris McDonald. Always great. Yeah, he's always a great dick. You know? <laughs> I, I, used to see, I used to see him a lot also. I think he was on Broadway oh, really? doing something. So I used to see him a lot. You're like, hey, you're a nice dick. And he was always wearing like, he was always like pimped out. This is Chris, Christopher McDonald? Christopher McDonald, yeah. Who's obviously playing a little, trying to play a little bit older than he is in Dutch. Because they gray up his hair and stuff. I bet you he's probably younger than Joe Beth Williams, and that's probably they probably tried to make him look older. But he would always be pimped out, like in a big, like fucking expensive coat and like sunglasses that were like gold. <laughs> you, you're describing to me as a is a early '90s pimp. <laughs> like he should be in like New Jack City. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he had like ring, big gold rings on his hand. Like he, he had, was always pimped out when I'd see. Like him. he looked like Big Daddy Kane or some from Bill Bib DeVoe. So anyway, uh, that's the cast. It's and a great cast. Ed O'Neill uh, in the midst of Married with Children. Of Married with Children. Which this is, is like going into season six or something when they made this. So. And this is, it's hard trying to break away because you've presented a uh, uh, a character to the world that he could have very well, like, um, what's his face? Richards. Michael Richards. Yeah. He could have got really uh, typecasted. And he might have got typecasted for a minute there. No, Ed O'Neill, I mean, it's, you, it's weird to think about, like, Ed O'Neill is one of those New York actors. He's in... In your favorite movie, he's in cruising. <laughs> yeah, he's in one of the. I have a. I have an Ed O'Neill story about that, but I didn't know if we should bring it up. But yeah, so um, my my part of the story was just that, like, like in the seventies and then and then and like in the eighties before these people started getting big, there was like this group of like New York actors. Well, I mean, you hear like even further back, you hear of like Dustin Hoffman and Gene Hackman. Oh yeah, and, like, yeah. But like the group at that time, like guys working in bars together, were like John Goodman. <laughs> Bruce Willis, Ed O'Neill, all these guys were like were friends and like worked in various bars and, and restaurants and shit together before they hit it big. John Goodman was part of that crew too. That's crazy. You think about yeah. that like that all before they're famous, just like you know before King Ralph or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Roseanne. Before Roseanne, uh, yeah, Ed O'Neill, he's great. I think that was one of his first roles in Cruising. Um, I have a friend of mine who uh, was in a play with him. And she knows him and is really familiar. And I work with her, and she's a consultant um, 
uh, or a contributor where I work, and I was interviewing a guy who uh, I'm interviewing for this site in, in a couple weeks, I guess, to give you a little uh, teaser. Uh, this guy, Randy Jurgensen, who we've talked about a bunch, who's a uh, cop, who's also an actor and a producer and director. And they're in cruising together because the cruising is based off a case he worked on. And I asked the girl I know to ask Ed O'Neill, text him and say, do you know anything about him? And, uh, or do you remember anything about him? And he said to ask uh, Randy about the, the, the your balls still float. Did I ever tell you this story? I think so. And it's, it's basically what, what they used to do. Um, th- they're cops together in cruising. And uh, as background, Jurgensen, the cop, told uh, Ed O'Neill that they used to have this thing to scare people in the big bad 70s where if you're – they witnesses, they'd say, like, if you're lying to me, I'm going to bring a, 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 a waste paper basket full of water in, and I'm going to take your pants off, and you're going to put your balls into the water. And if your balls float, that means you're lying. And if your balls sink, that means you're telling the truth. So people used to be freaked out about this, <laughs> and they get scared. Like, okay, oh, man, all right, all right. So they would do this. I mean, you're not really, you know, coercing or, or you know, I guess there's a statute of limitations. So if, if you're doing anything <laughs> bad to it, it's not now. So the story goes that, like, then, then one day Randy was in court, and they had a guy. He's bringing a guy in, and then they open the door, and there's a guy in front of the judge. And the judge, he's like, I'm innocent. And he turns around, and he sees Jurgens and he goes, ask him. I took the ball test. I'm innocent. <laughs> he's like, oh. So that was my Ed O'Neill story. And he, yeah. But anyway. Uh, he even did in the 80s. He did a Popeye Doyle, uh, another connection to oh Randy yeah, Jurgensen. Yeah. He, he played, they tried to do kick off a, uh, uh, make a series out of the French Connection detective, Eddie Egan, who in the movie's character is Popeye Doyle. And uh, they shot a pilot starring Ed O'Neill as the Popeye Doyle role that Gene Hackman had did in the, in the theatrical movies. And I guess they didn't go anywhere because uh, they didn't get a series out of it. And yeah. uh, I'd like to try to find that, but I don't know if it's even available. And then he kicked around for a while, and then he was in a couple movies that you surprised. And then he comes up, shows up in Dutch after Married with Children. And then his next movie was Wayne's World, which I completely forgot he's in, too. Oh, yeah. He plays like the, uh, the, at, the, at, the, at, the yeah, at the hamburger <coughs> shop or at the donut yeah, shop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's weird because now yeah, everyone, he's got like a second or third life in the, the modern, family. modern family show. So you see him how he looks now because, you know, he's getting older. He's in his 60s, maybe, maybe middle to late 60s. So then you go back and you see him, like, say, in Mary with Children, or you see him, like you're saying, in 1981 in Cruising, or in Dutch, and it's like, wow, it's so crazy how people age, you know, yeah, like how yeah. they look. Because as you get older, you, some people either gain weight or they lose weight, and he's kind of gained a little weight, he's filled out. Sure. And he's always been like a thin guy, so to see him in Dutch, it's like, wow, it's in his prime, you know? Uh, and and I, the, the, it's a funny movie. I mean, again, it's a movie... <laughs> John Hughes. Uh, <coughs> yeah, another Don, John Hughes uh, Thanksgiving movie. He, I mean, he, basically, it's a very similar it's ba- yeah, it's basically convention, a, anyway. Maybe not plot, but like, uh, you know, story. Um, basically. Of planes, kind of planes, yeah, trains, and automobiles. Planes, trains, and automobiles. It's, it's a tr- uh, road trip movie between two people that are not alike, basically, like an odd couple type road trip movie. Um, in a c- total nutshell, just in case. Uh, you haven't seen it for a while, or you haven't seen it in, uh, at all. Joe Beth Williams plays the mother of Ethan Embry and the ex-wife of Christopher McDonald's, like, asshole. He's, a, he's like a rich kind of asshole. And the story is that, like, she was some, like, cocktail waitress at the country club, and he knocked her up and then married her to avoid scandal and then ended up being a jerk and kind of divorced her. And they have this son named Doyle. Um, Doyle Standish, Standish, which is also, I guess, a reference to uh, if 
anybody out there is a huge uh, Breakfast Club, uh, the Breakfast Club fa- uh, movie fans, Molly Ringwald character, and that's Claire Standish, who's also a rich kind of princess. Oh. And that, so I don't know if it's a reference. I don't know if it's a, it's a if it's a, if well, it's you look at like the, it, it's or interesting. If, or if like maybe John Hughes knew some rich family. Standish. Standish. He's like, I would have freaking <laughs> ran their name and ruined it. But it's, it, you know, I, I've, we've talked about again, please go listen to the planes, trains and automobiles cast. We talked about John Hughes last time where it's been a year or it's like, I never was a John Hughes fan. Not because I didn't like John Hughes, but just because I hated the 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 baggage that came with it. Like, people were like, you gotta see Pretty in Pink, women. You gotta see Breakfast Club. You gotta see... Sixteen Candles. Sandy, oh, did I say Pretty in Pink? Yeah, which he wrote Pretty in Pink. I don't uh, think he directed it, but he wrote it. Sixteen Candles. And, uh, you know, then that was... I was like, I don't need to see it. Okay, I've seen him. It's, you know, people like really the Brat Pack. But then you realize that there's a whole other movies that he's written and it's like you know he's had his hand in everything I mean uh, writing wise I mean he did Home Alone he did Pretty in Pink he did the Beethoven movies he did uh, Vacation was based on a, a short, short story, story he, he did wrote. I mean he has a whole crap load of stuff that's just like uh, you know he did Flubber he did all the Home Alones he did the script to 101 Dalmatians <coughs> the, the theatrical movie Baby's Day Out the remake of uh, Miracle on 34th Street he did the Dennis the Menace with Walter Matthau uh, career Opportunities, Curly Sue, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, he wrote Uncle Buck, She's Having a Baby, Great Outdoors. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and then, of course, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah, and then he's directed, th- you know, uh, Weird Science. Uh, yeah, you know, it, he has a huge, huge scope Ferris of... Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He wrote Mr. Mom, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So my point bringing him all up was you think of Quentin Tarantino and always people try to put together in the world of Quentin Tarantino how Vic Vega is related to Vincent Vega or yeah, vice yeah. versa. So I w- and, and you could sometimes make the, the, the correlations and I wonder if there is a John Hughes club or fan out there yeah, that yeah. there is, like you have a big Bolton board, you could say, well... I, know, well, I think a lot of the movies... They might all like take place in the same area. Well, also, it, again, like Chicago, yeah, Illinois, and so area. It's like as much as Stephen King's movie books always take place around Maine or the Eastern Seaboard up there. You have John Hughes, I guess, who's from the Chicago area, and this is especially where they're out of Chicago in a suburb, and uh, Ed O'Neill volunteers to go down to get uh, Doyle from do- his like. His, you know, his school, yeah, his prep school, yeah. probably, and that's in, in in the in Georgia, and then they 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 do a car trip back through the, uh, Georgia, the Carolinas, Tennessee, <coughs> and I think Mississippi, and uh, hence we get the plane, trains, and automobiles kind of like Virginia situation, too. yeah, and it's uh and very much like plane, trains, and automobiles where there's that car trip, yeah, through basically, that eastern seaboard. he's Doyle's supposed to spend Thanksgiving with his dad, his dad. Basically, basically breaks those plans. We find this his the mother calls uh, Joe Beth Williams, and he, and he doesn't even have the, the decency to tell him. He's like, hey, yeah, "Can yeah. you please tell our kid because I'm going to Europe?" So she calls, and she like she's in a position of like she just wants. Basically, Doyle's an asshole to her. All the she time. wants, yeah, she wants a relationship with her with her kid, and she even says to him like, "He's got he's he's only got one thing I want." Yeah, it's my kid, and it, and that's it's also it's literally and kind of figuratively because the kid doesn't. He's like, you know, fuck you, mom. It's like almost yeah, to that yeah. point, he's hanging up on her. She's like, "I love you," and he rolls her eyes. So it's like he's in that age where he's like, you know, mom, I hate that, you. He's like, you know, he's a rich snob, and so he's definitely well. He take, idolizes his dad, yeah, and then he also blames his mom for some reason. He doesn't see like his dad can do no wrong so he blames his mom for the breakup he's like it's it's mom's fault and then everyone else is like no it's dad had a part of it too at the, yeah, for yeah. the divorce 
So basically, she wants him to come home for Thanksgiving, for have Thanksgiving with her. He wants to just, he's just like, no, I'm just going to stay at school. He's a complete dick. And he's a complete little asshole. A little asshole. And, uh, and the lovable Dutch. Yeah. Dutch Dooley. De- Ed O'Neill. Doyle. <laughs> Dooley. Dutch. <laughs> Dutch Dooley, who owns a construction company who we don't really know, but he's the kind of guy who he's a, we get into the class system. He's a working class guy that seems like he started from the bottom, worked his way up. He's got this company now. He... He prides himself, and he's kind of one of these guys that is very proud to say, hey, you know, I, I built this on my own shoulders. Yeah. You know, I didn't get the money gifted to me or born into it. He's the boyfriend of Joe Beth Williams. Yeah, and, and he loves her so much. He's like, I'll do anything for you. He's like, you want him? I will get And I, I it's kind of unclear, but I think he flies down, and then he rents a car. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like it takes them days to get home. Because they're but, really traversing from like, you know the east coast to like the middle of the, the country, the north. But it only takes it only takes Dutch like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to I get think there. he I think he flies down and like rents like a Lincoln Continental. It looks like, and then yeah, he yeah. shows up, and then that's when like the the, the shenanigans uh, ensue. Yeah. Uh, and you know it's weird. I had never seen the movie. It, it's, the first viewing was with with you, and it's a movie again. I didn't even make the correlation that it's John Hughes. It's a yeah, movie yeah. I remember when it came out. I remember the trailers. I remember bits in the trailers looking pretty funny, the stuff in the hotel and them knocking them out or the with the hockey stick, yeah, yeah, which ultimately becomes the movie poster. So it's like I always wanted to see it, but it just escapes. And then I didn't even know on top of it that it was a Thanksgiving movie. So when you recommended it, I watch it, and it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. Now, there's a, uh, I don't know, at some point years and years and years ago, I don't know, from your work or whatever, you gave me a stack of movie posters. Oh, yeah. Oh, Dutch was in there? And Dutch was in there, so... <laughs> In fact, when I worked at the, I worked at a video store with, with that sweet Predator Two poster. I, I had like three Predator Two posters, which I gave one of them to uh, Steve. And these were days. these were sweet posters. These were huge. What are they like? Twenty four by thirty six. Big like full size movie posters. And they were the posters. I forget the technical term, but they're the, the ones that are made. Yeah, so that you can uh, put them in, in a light like box. A light box. Yeah. And then you know, so it was a, it was a cl- great lineup. It was Dutch, which was meant a lot to me. PCU, exactly, which also means a lot to you. <laughs> You're a huge fan of. I don't would say I'm a huge fan of it, but I lived in Portchester. Yeah, which is supposedly where, where it takes Portchester place. Portchester University is. Uh, yeah. Uh, like three, two or three Predator Two posters. Yeah, there was a shitload there. Because I took like three. An Exorcist, an Exorcist three poster. Exorcist three. Yeah. George C. George C. Nice. Exorcist three. George C. <laughs> So it was a great. We're, we're in the great, weeds this week. It was a great group of posters. Wow! I, I remember I was working on a show, and uh, my story producer had never seen Dutch, and I don't know how it came up, but I'd be like, "Oh, you got to see Dutch! You got to see Dutch!" And so I brought in. So in our in our office for like six weeks while I was working on the show, I had a Dutch poster. <laughs> I brought the Dutch poster. Was that a double sided as well? I don't remember if that was double sided. The Predator one was sweet. It's the it's the picture. Uh, I don't know why. It's, it's like he's standing on the side on the roof of the building. Yeah, like, it up. <laughs> it's like it takes place in L.A. Predator Two, but it looks like he's standing on top of the Chrysler building on one of those eagles, and he's standing yeah. there like in this lightning, and he's like holding. I think he's like holding his freaking bow in the air and he's got like a skull and like a spinal cord <laughs> and he's like <laughs> and then like lightning and it's one of those sweet ass posters so a dutch post and but it's not the dutch image that you see like on the box it's like the two of their faces or something it's when he's doing the he's doing like the uh the bunny ears behind him maybe maybe it's not the yeah but it's not like him carrying the hockey oil on the you know on the hockey stick. and you know it's it's it, it's funny how times change where uh this movie's 1990, 1991 it was released. 
And first off, you have him physically extricate the kid from the school. So he ties the kid up, puts him, and then <laughs> you can go to jail for that now. Yeah, yeah. And then he, then he ties the kid up, puts him in the back seat, still tied up. With underwear in his mouth. With underwear in his mouth, dirty underwear, not even seat belted, and you can go to jail for that. Then he slams the, the car as fast as he can. The kid falls. And then he throws the kid out of the car, and he makes the kid walk, I'd say, like five miles <laughs> from the middle of the in the middle of nowhere on the interstate to the yeah, next the, rest stop in the winter in the winter at night middle at, of the night at night on a road that it's like it's like a like there's, a, there's no sidewalk no it's like a highway road so you have like the 18 wheelers like <laughs> you know like in the, getting mud and snow all over them to like the next rest stop where like the motel is and that's also dangerous now because one he could get killed he can get kidnapped he can you know go and fuck off and not return so ed o'neill had a lot of uh a lot of balls and a lot riding well, on that know, kid showing up. Have, he didn't have kids of his own. Came from a different time. So his dad was a bricklayer. Yeah, and his, <laughs> and his, and his father or his grandfather was, uh, or his mother was a maid. Yeah. Uh, so it really stresses the like middle class, lower middle class kind of beginnings. But he goes down to pick uh, Ethan Embry up, who is like a, I'd say like a eleven or twelve year old, maybe. Four, 13, 14? Yeah, I'm so bad at Yeah, I can't tell. I can't tell anymore. I think he's like 13 because he's interested in sex. And here we get, again, we get the uh, the sex references of the 80s, which I think carries over into the 90, 91. So he picks the kid up. The kid's a, a, a real asshole. He physically removes the kid from the school because the kid doesn't want to come. Gets him in the car. We're leaving. And he's like, no matter what. And he even says to the mother, he's like, oh, your, your kid sounds like an asshole, but uh, and it, he has a lot of experiences. Like, you know, I spent a lot of time pe- with, you know, on road trips and and only one time did not go right. And he's like, we're going to get to know each other and we're going to become friends. So he's actually, he loves the mother so much he wants to have this time. And, yeah. he, and he, he's actually. It's, it's, it's partially that he wants to bring him home for Thanksgiving for the mother. But it's also like he wants to be in the mother's life and being a part of Ethan Embry's life is part of that. He so got to so develop a relationship with yeah. him. And what better way than just do a road trip with him. And um, I guess. Uh, how cool was it back in the day? The director, the director Peter Feynman, who I guess only directed the other one was uh, he only directed two movies: Crocodile Dundee, which was his <coughs> Crocodile de- Dundee, which was his first movie, his debut breakout hit. Yeah, and his then sophomore uh, try at the at a feature length movie is Dutch, which which flopped, which yeah, time. sadly flopped. Yeah, we'll get into how it flopped. But, but he so was a TV producer in Australia, and he was he's he has continued to work. He just hasn't done any feature films. So I wonder if. He just like went back to just wanted to be. Just, he packed it did in. Did he not want to do movies anymore, or did like really the failure of Dutch like, really put ruin, him over the like, edge. like ruined his directing career? We should also mention that this was released in Australia in, and in the UK as "Driving Me Crazy." So all the people out there are like, "Oh, I know this movie." <laughs> <laughs> oh, driving me crazy. Oh, Why I did know. You say so. Oh, I know that fucking movie. So, um, so. My original point was you got John Hughes, you got Peter Feynman, and then you got the producer, Richard Vale. Yeah. Uh, Vane, I'm sorry. The, what they do for pre-pro for this movie, how cool is it? They actually go on the road trip, and they go on the road trip, the three of them in a car to, to, to Scott locations, and they take the journey that Dutch and um, Doyle. Doyle would take. And um, the director, Feynman, likes it so much, the locales that they see on the way, uh, going through Mississippi, Tennessee, the Carolinas, and Georgia – that he uses a lot of those locations when he goes back and shoots the movie. So, I mean, that's cool. Like, let's have some fuck-off time. Let's go and do a road trip and, like, scout locations. And, you know, who, who knows how cool that, like, a week in their lives would have been, like, you know, yeah. going around. Or Especially that roadhouse. Or they just, like, hated each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're never going to work end. again, you know. So that was some pre-production that went into this. And um, 
you know, it, it, it very much mirrors the world of planes, trains, and automobiles. And a couple times there was scenes where I could have saw you know, John Candy, Steve Martin drive by, yeah, or, you yeah, know, or yeah. in the same motel <laughs> sleeping next door, which is, you know. That's true. That would have been an interesting. A little mashup there. Like, this is the same, you know, uh, Thanksgiving holiday. There you word. go, kids. That's yeah. your editing assignment. Yeah. yeah. Edit together a little. <laughs> Do a little cut. A little cut of the two of them, like, you know, at the same motel together, or even at the same di- dive diner with that. That, the, uh, that was pretty funny. I was laughing out loud. Maybe in the whole movie. There's some really, there's some really funny stuff in it. You know, he's taking out the, the he was taking out the menu and the menu is full of grease. And then she takes the menu from him and he looks at his hands like she's yeah. like ripped the first layer of skin off of him. Uh, it's, uh, there's at, some at funny the choke and puke. It's a, uh, you know, I wonder why it didn't do so well. I mean, you figure maybe it wasn't. It could be a number of things. It wasn't advertised the right way. Maybe it didn't come out in also, Thanksgiving. You, I mean, you said and I. And I, you said you remembered the trailers and the commercials. I did too, and I remember thinking it looked funny. You, you know? think a, a lot of weird movies came on around that time? I mean, you had like uh, Opportunity Knocks. Remember that movie with um, uh, Dana Carvey? You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ford Fairlane. You had like a lot of weird, <laughs> you know, Hudson Hawk. It's like you know, you had these weird movies that are coming out where they're like trying to find their footing in comedy, and you know, '80s comedy changed into the '90s, and I always. I'm a proponent of the idea of that, like, even though 1990 says it's the end of yeah, the 80s, yeah. I think the... There's gen- a little cross. Yeah, there's a little bleed over. Like, the 50s bleed and into the 60s. Usually, yeah, not just movies. So I feel like they were still trying to give you those 80s values in the 90s. And, you know, it worked with Home Alone. You have a great staple movie, John Hughes as well, with Chris Columbus. And that's, like, I think 1990 or 91, that was a breakout hit. And then this next movie, which is still trying to work off the template of, like, a... Uh, a planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, kind of fell flat. As, as much you know, as great as Ed O'Neill is, and you know, as probably recognizable as he was for Married with Children at that time, I think that part, probably part of it is that there wasn't like a big name yeah. movie star. It is almost, uh, it is almost a uh, a chance they're they're taking there, you know, because he had he's bringing with him the baggage of he has his really hit show on TV, which is I think it was like number one at the time, but. Yeah, yeah. He's playing a very, like, uh, stereotyped character on that show. He's very much, you know, his the character is the show. So yeah. he's playing like an idiot. So it's hard to then have him come there and then be a normal guy. And then people may be coming thinking you're going to see Yeah, uh, he's bringing Al a lot of baggage with yeah. the Al Bundy character too you know, much. And then as well as um, they, the first choice of this was John Candy in this role. And, that, you know, it's, you could see John Candy doing it. I mean, it, it's a... It's a I wouldn't say it's a stretch. It depends on her tastes. If the, she falls in <laughs> love with the John Candy yeah, character, yeah, yeah. but you could see then John. It's like Uncle Buck. John Candy. It would have been a very m- more Uncle Buck ish. You know, John but you Candy. could see him saying these same lines. You know, it's yeah. like it's interchangeable. Like his role in like you know Uncle Buck or this, where he's being that guy. You know, so it's yeah. You're right. Maybe because Ed O'Neill wasn't a breakout star, and I I never heard of Ethan Emery prior to this, so maybe he was. You know, or Ethan Randall. <laughs> Ethan Randall. You know, so it, it's tough. And what happened, and it happened, was the movie was made for seventeen million dollars. It came out, and it only grossed five. And it was, it, uh, and then you still look online. It, it's got like eighteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's got yeah. like three stars. It's on. definitely a movie that I think, due to like video and television, yeah, it's become a cult. It's become like a bit of a cult classic. Like there are people like me who remember seeing it. Um, and feel, I think very look back on it very fondly, and I think over time it's it's developed its audience. And uh, also to note that uh, Alan Silvestri, the, the composer, did the score for this. Who's a huge, 
You know him from Zemeckis movies. And yeah, I mean, Alan Silvestri. Great, great composer. Is like the John Williams of John Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> He's the John Williams of the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> of John Hughes movies. Of, well, of, I mean, Alan, or not John Hughes, but like of he's Back just, to the Future. He's and, a, uh, well, look, if you look at Alan Silvestri, he, uh, composer, uh, he's like, if there was going to be like a Saturday Night Movie sleepover, like Hall of Fame. Which we, every episode we say, he's definitely. <laughs> he would be, because let's just look at this lineup right here. If for four years straight, in four years, from 84 to 88. We're talking about Alan, uh, Alan Silvestri, the he composer. scored Romancing the Stone, Whew. Cat's Eye, Whew. Back to the Future, Whew. a lot of Zemeckis, Summer Rental, Whew. The Delta Force, <sighs> Flight of the Navigator, Jeez. Predator, Oh my gosh, Overboard. I'm there. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I that's still just, wonder. That's just four years. <laughs> He's got a lot of work. That's there. just that's just like the late '80s, mid to late. 80s. And if you were just to take out, you know, everything in the 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 scope with Zemeckis is an accomplishment. Then, but then you add in like the little little gems like Cat's Eye, or you add in freaking um, you know, uh, Predator. You know, it's like those are the ones out of left field. Oh, Predator is like, such a great score too. Well, it's Predator is still one of the. Unfortunately, I would say like you know, the, there's some of these movies I can't think of the score offhand. I can't fuck. I, I'd be. I don't remember the score to Summer Rental yeah, how yeah. it goes. <laughs> or but whatever. it sounds like, it, I, feel, I feel like it's one of those 80s songs. Like, You're gonna do this, <laughs> Summer Rental. <laughs> but, uh, uh, they're very, but unfortunately all... Dutch is not like, uh, you know, it's not one of his better scores, but they're all like, the, all those scores there, I mean, uh, you know, I, I know, I'm a huge fan of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, so I'm, I know that score very well. People know Back to the Future, I think. Yeah, Back to the Future is I was iconic. Say, my, my little Alan Silvestri story that I, I hinted to earlier. Yeah. There was a little related story. Is that a couple of weeks ago, I went to see, we were talking about New York and, you know, taking advantage of New York. I went to Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. Little side. Uh, and saw Back to the Future. With a live orchestra, and you had seen we playing the the Alan Silvestri score. Alan Silvestri was there. You had hinted at the beginning. Well, I hinted to, at the beginning of this cast, which was just on PBS. You had seen Danny Elfman doing his Tim Burton movies. Yeah. I think at Radio City as well. That was at Lincoln Center, and that that was televised on PBS. Fucking great yeah. uh, thing. And then now this Radio City was. I heard about this back. They were playing Back to the Future with a live orchestra. With a live orchestra. And then you say like freaking uh, Christopher Lloyd showed up. And Christopher was, Lloyd. Oh, watch too. <laughs> the guy who uh, Strickland. Strickland was there. Uh, plays the principal. What's her face too? No, no. It was the guy who co-wrote and produced it with yeah. Zemeckis. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He introduced it. Oh, I know that. Yeah. No, and no. then uh Christopher Lloyd and Strickland came out. How's um I don't want to keep calling him Strickland, but how's he looking? <laughs> he looks like Strickland. I know, but I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> like an older Strickland. Cuz he yeah, cuz he's like in a couple cop movies in the 70s, bald, of course. And then by like 1979, it's like Ed Harris. Like he hasn't aged, you know, he's in Top Gun, he's in freaking Bat- Master University, he's in this movie, Back to the Future, and he, he hasn't aged a day. So I don't yeah, know if he yeah. just took a turn for the worse, and now he's looking really old. He looks old. You know? I mean, he definitely looks old. Because he's got to be... You know, you he's, know, he's on the stage of Radio City Music Hall, you know, so it's also like he's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> he's a G.I. Joe. <laughs> he's like the size of a G.I. Joe guy. Um, he looks good. He's and Alan Silvestri was there, yeah. and they played Back to the Future. Uh, somehow, they I, some digital print Apparently, it's a company that does it. I wish I could remember what it's called, but if you're interested, you should check it out because they do this, they do Home Alone, 
They do Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, do they tour? They do E.T. Yeah, it's like a... And it's not so much like... It's not, it's not that the orchestra tours. Yeah. It's like they bring the movie to cities, and then like they hire a local orchestra oh, to I play see. the stuff. That's almost getting really back to the roots so of like, film. So it might play here. Yeah. But it wouldn't be the same. On the, but on the same night, it's playing like in Melbourne, Australia, with you know? local local yeah, big with, band. With like this was like some New Jersey orchestra, but it was fucking awesome. That's that's the, getting back to like the old days of when you know you go see when when vaudeville was dying and they put a screen in every theater and then you, you had like the the organ was there. It's like yeah, church, yeah. and then there'd be somebody playing along with you, you know. And then even to the point when they started getting talkies, they'd still have. You know, some Joe Blow with the piano give providing a score. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I'll say that's weird about it is that, well, first of all, I mean, Back to the Future's score is probably Silvestri's most famous yeah. score. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing score. The theme. I'd say that in Predator, but I, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I mean, Back to the Future is kind of like you start playing that. That's <laughs> people know. Um, but you get so, but that especially, I mean, these movies that they're doing it for are so great yeah. that like. They're iconic. Five minutes into it, you're just in the movie. You know, you before you couldn't. The sixty people there playing their hearts out. You're not even paying attention anymore because you're in the middle of watching the movie. Every once in a while, you look down and you're like, "Oh yeah, there's people there. There's a shitload of Will people." Will you sit down, please? <laughs> <laughs> playing their hearts out, um, and and that's even harder because I mean, this is how they actually score movies in real life. Afterward, you know, they'll watch it in post and they'll score to the composer watches the up on the screen, but. It's like they're actually playing to a live. Yeah, I mean, you know, you they have to see, keep cues you, and you stuff. You can kind of see like the chart on the on the music. There's like a screen, like the composer sitting there. He's watching the movie on a little screen, and there's like flashes. So there's like a metronome kind of going, so that he can stay in time with the scene. So that wow. the, all the timings. Great. And you have to actually know, yeah, when your music comes in at like point, you know, uh, you know, time code, and then when you're out, you know. And Two little things I'll say about that experience. One, the only time it I'm really sorry, was Sylvester there. Sylvester was there. Okay, so he's like, he, hey, he wasn't actually conducting, Should've. but he was there. And uh, the two things I will say about that movie, and I'm sure we'll t- well, this story will be brought up again <laughs> whenever we get around to Back to the Future at some point. We should do a Zemeckis, like, there's so many good Zemeckis <laughs> movies. We should do, like, a Zemeckis weekend. Um, there's the scene where... In Back to the Future. In Back to the Future at the dance. Yeah. The and, undersea, the, the under the sea Spoiler dance. alert. <laughs> If you haven't seen Back to the Future yet, <laughs> spoiler alert. And it's like he's Marty's like fading away. Yeah, and it's the picture he's got. The people are vanishing. And, in the picture. Uh, Shit's going down. And the they're playing. The band's playing. Earth Angel. Earth Angel by the Penguins. And then the minute that uh, yeah, the, George McFly kisses the girl, everything comes back. Like he comes back, but then it's not just the band. Like the orchestra comes in. And plays like accompaniment to the band, and that was really cool. Oh, because yeah, because it's in the movie. It's just the band. He's like revitalized. Four, it's like a four-piece band. Yeah, it's because uh, yeah, in and, the, and it, playing the dance. He just starts strumming better. Yeah, yeah. He's back in. He's like, oh, okay, and then he's all right. And but then, the like, minute you know, they kiss, like the whole, you know, something I never really noticed about the movie because, like, you know, and in a lot of ways, like a, music is sometimes like the invisible, the invisible part of the yeah. movie. Like you're not to, like the best music, you won't notice it. So like it, it crescendos, and it's like yeah, yeah, and then the and then the strings come in they're playing the melody along with the band so what happened did they play at all like Earth Angel did they play Johnny Be Good at all or no that would have been you know I was saying it would have been really just awesome back, if, just they had, back up. if they had like some Huey guy Lewis guitar the news there <laughs> just show up to play like the 30 second like the 10 seconds. gotta go back in time <laughs> no it's just power the, it's just the score oh and uh, the other thing I would say which goes back to your 
House of White, or uh, more more like your Black Kitchen uh, of Black Lagoon experiences. It's a movie. Yeah, you're watching a movie. Now, what happens when you're at the movies and the credits come on? People leave. People start to get up and leave. Yeah, but they're playing their fucking hearts now, out. Now, here's the fucking uh, sixty people standing up there playing their hearts out. The over like a huge overture, <laughs> <laughs> going through every piece of music. This beautiful, th- and people are just getting up and walking out. And I was like, oh my god! I mean, come on. Yeah. Like you can't sit here and listen to a to an orchestra for five minutes. <laughs> hey, come on, give them some credit. They've been working. Now I head. know we've talked about your dad would have taken off before <laughs> hey, before man, George McFly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Leah Thompson even kissed. Yeah, my, my dad would have been. He would have been going as soon as the uh, they locked the the, 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 the the black guys get out and they're like, "Hey, we don't want any." Uh, you know what? I forget what he says. Uh, yeah. Reefer addicts or whatever. My dad's like, "Let's go!" All right, movie's done. Let's, yeah, get let's out go. Of here. As soon as he crashes the car into the movie theater, the DeLorean. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the same thing for for uh, for people who are, who are just. Um, you know, they'll get up and do anything. It, it just annoys me. It's it's like you and I are big blues fans, say. Yeah. You go to a blues concert, and sometimes with these bigger cats, say like maybe a James Brown or a B.B. King, who both have passed away, the band will come out first. And the band will play a couple yeah, songs. They'll, they'll like vamp. Yeah. Then you have that guy who's always wanted to be the lead guy who isn't the lead guy, sadly. He's, you know, playing second fiddle to, the, to whoever you're going to see. Yeah. He's like, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Please put your hand together for the biggest thing in the world, James Brown. And then, then it's like, you know, then the, the, the star will come out. Dun, 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 dun. But then at the end of it, you know, it's like whenever the show is over, they'll be doing like whatever his hit is. And like, it's a man's world. And then he leaves. Yeah, and yeah. he'll walk off and the band will still play like another five or six minutes. And like, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, please show your love, <laughs> James Brown. And then like, you know, people will start to get up. And it's like, you know, if they know there's no overture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not overture, I'm sorry. Uh, there's no... Um, uh, you know when you when, when like encore, encore yeah. they'll start leaving. It's like the band's still playing though. There's 20 guys up on stage who are just you know who are just still like. Since we're talking about music and the blues, I say that like yeah, aside, you know, this is, aside from from Silvestri, yeah. score. I did. There's a great soundtrack going on. I here. did bring this up. It, this must be uh, John Hughes' uh, consciousness in this because you have in. Um, Again, right off the top of my head, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, you have, he's singing Ray Charles. Uh, in this one, he's he's singing what Junior Wells is. Junior uh, Wells. Uh, so snatch it back and hold it. Snatch it back Which and hold it. is off an album called Who Man, Who Do Man Blues yeah. from 1965. Yeah. It's Junior Wells backed by Buddy Guy on guitar. Uh, and, and, of course, a, a rhythm section. I can't think of uh, who's playing, the, who, who else is in the band at the top of my my head, but I believe you and I did a sidecast about blues out al- about blues albums. Is this I, on it? I think this might be on this might be on my list of, of, of fa- uh, favorite blues albums. Yeah, which we'll we'll, we'll uh, at some point we'll replay here. We'll put up here. We did a, a thing of uh, blues uh, live blues albums. Maybe no, that was or just our love of the blues. And then we just came out with five. We did we did, we did five, a couple did of different. We did we did uh, favorite blues albums. I think. I said I don't remember. And then we did. Live albums. There were two different casts. Okay, yeah. So we picked. I picked five. You picked five. And because we were just like we'd say with the side cast, we cover a lot of topics. And yeah, aside from movies, felt, yeah, music's a big part of our lives. We love music. So if we you want to, if you want to listen to amazing electric blues album, it's really raw. I mean, the way it's recorded, you can hear a little bit of it. Here, but uh, Who Do Man Blues from nineteen sixty five. Yeah, Junior Wells. Great, great album. Uh, I mean, when else do you hear Junior Wells? 
Classic. And he's and, and as well as that, O'Neill's like faking harmonica and yeah, like, like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, eating, it's like driving. the first song song you hear in the yeah. movie. I, I was like, holy shit, Junior Wells. Now, did did uh, did John Hughes have anything to do with Adventures in Babysitting? All, also, a, I think a Chicago movie. I don't know because you have what, what is it? Uh, Albert, what's his face shows up. Albert uh, Otis. Let's get one of the interns. Who's on it? That. Otis Rush. Who's who shows up? Oh, in? that's Albert Collins. Albert Collins. I was gonna say Albert King. Albert Collins shows up in that. Nobody gets off the stage till they sing the blues. But you have a lot of uh, in a lot of John Hughes movies. You have some good blues as well as I like to do a shout out to. I'm a big Hank Williams senior fan, and Ed O'Neill goes into a verse of "I'm So Lonesome I Can Cry" in it, where he's singing. You know, he's busting um, Ethan Embry's balls, and he's you know he starts singing "I'm So Lonesome," and he's actually pretty good. And he he does yodel a little bit. I was like, hey, you know, that's good for you. But that, and then another song which showed up in here, which I think people who are big fans of Terminator 2 would figure out. When they, they're, they're, uh, they're at this hillbilly, really shitty motel, and uh, it's when Ethan Embry first comes, walks off the highway to find um, Ed O'Neill, and Ed O'Neill uh, is, is hiding out in one of the bungalows. You hear this crazy song, and it's called Guitars and Cadillacs. And I don't know the song. I've only heard the song three times in my life. It's in the beginning of Terminator 2. You know when he walks into the place and he's naked? He's like, I need your clothes, your boots, yeah, your yeah. motorcycle. There is guitar, Cadillacs, hillbilly, you. And I, f- I did research. It's, it's a Dwight Yoakam song. Uh-huh. I know I've heard of Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. And I was like, oh. So then I was camping uh, in the early 90s with, with a friend of mine's uh, or neighbors. And somebody had that on, some hillbilly. Not to say it's hillbilly, but some, you know. Yeah. Country people were listening to it, and I was like, "That's a song from Terminator 2. <laughs> and I specifically remember that. I know the verse, like the back of my hand, because I know Terminator Two so well. So when he gets there, it's the same verse in this movie. And this movie predates Terminator Two by like a year or two, uh-huh. and th- th- that's the same song they're listening to. So Dwight Yoakam, "Guitars and Cadillacs," is another song that's in this movie. What did you intern tell you? I, I can't find anything. Oh. Uh, well, no, it's good. No Directed by Christopher Columbus. So, which with this John Hughes co- co- uh, connection, but, but point it's is, Chicago, you know, Chicago, you got to have some kind of blues around. Yeah, and it's a lot of people don't know. Blues. Yeah, Chicago basically is the epicenter of the electric, uh, where the blues got electrified because in the '40s, when a lot of the jobs after the war down south, that all African Americans are working on the plantations and the farms, that it was all becoming automated, so they were losing. And this gets into a whole bigger idea yeah, of what yeah. happened with uh, inner cities and stuff but everybody was then traveling north from the south to, to the big cities to find factory work and that's why a lot of people ended up in Chicago and then when you got into Chicago they realized they couldn't just play I guess acoustics because you couldn't be fucking heard in a yeah, club yeah, it wasn't loud enough. so they said you know what let's take what that guy Les Paul did and we'll plug the guitar in and then it's like and then they yeah. had, you had electric blues and a lot of people say Muddy Waters is one of the first pioneers of electric blues in Chicago and that's yeah. why you have like Chicago blues it's like electric you know Electric mode, electric blue. Electric There's been Chicago. a couple of movies made about chess records. Yeah, that chess records. Cadillac, is it called Cadillac, Cadillac Blue Records? Cadillac Records. And then there was another one that came out at the same time, which I can't remember the name. Yeah, of but that. which didn't I still? I, I don't think it's got mo- a release. I actually saw it at the movies. How is that? Uh, I've, I've wanted to see it, but I, it hasn't been released. It's okay. Like they don't have. We'll the have to put a, uh, a link in to what that. You know, is. it's the kind of thing where they don't have the rights to certain people. Uh, so like, Etta James's. Etta James has is played by Beyonce Cadillac Records, yeah. whereas like Etta James never signed off on being a part of the other movie. Oh. So it's like some made up character who's Etta James who's the That's Etta James character. And it's and it's more about like Bo Diddley. Yeah, I remember it's a big it's a big like Bo Diddley as opposed to this one was more Muddy Waters as yeah, the central yeah. character. I mean Muddy's in it and uh 
I thought that Cadillac for what it did, then them playing um, uh, what Paul Chess and uh, Adrian Brody and uh, or Phil Chess, yeah, Chess yeah. Record, the Chess Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's I thought also that about was the, the Chess Brothers. It's about the the other one. They're it's they're the it's one of those like. Yeah, it's Those like, the, uh, like <laughs> Dante's Peak vs. Volcano, or yeah, like you know, two or, movies about chess records came out at the same. Yeah, time. like an you know, Armageddon, but one of them had bigger stars. The other know? one, what's the other Armageddon and the uh, oh, Deep Impact? Yeah, Deep Impact. But uh, I like that Cadillac Records movie. Yeah. I mean, it had some. And if you, I mean, if you're a blues fan, yeah, or you're interested, when in else it, are you going to see fucking a? Uh, also, I would recommend that you read Buddy Guy's autobiography. Yeah, because it, it really my favorite part about it, um, Buddy's like second wave. Like yeah, bl- like electric. Yeah, he came like guy. in the he comes later, early sixties and mid. So he's you don't get a sense of like what it was like when Muddy arrived. Muddy and and Howlin' Wolf arrived in Chicago, but Buddy comes kind of next. And my favorite part about the book is that he it really paints like a picture of what like the South Side of Chicago was like in the mid sixties, early mid sixties like, at that time. Yeah, he gets to know Muddy Waters. That's where the and, blues wo- the blues guys rushed, lived in the but South. But it, it really gives you he does a really good job of like as we say like setting the table, and you yeah. really get a sense of like what it was like. So I mean, that's what I loved about. And it. you know what? And even I'll, I'll go up to say there's a great biography uh, about Muddy Waters' life that came out maybe two thousand two or three, which is called "I Can't Be Satisfied." Great book, and that tells the story of how it was when they first got there, and then it, I guess those are good companion pieces because yeah, you get yeah. the muddy perspective yeah. and all that in the South Side because a lot of the black people lived in the South Side of Chicago because it was the poorer part, hence where all the blues guys were living, yeah. and that whole phenomenon of yeah. the music at the time in in the in Chicago and in the yeah. in the sixties and the seventies and. Growing up there, I mean, growing up as a Chicagoian, 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 <laughs> Chicagoian. I don't know. I don't know what the uh, proper um, terminology would be. You, you, I guess that is a big part of your life, the blues and music. You know, so it's yeah. it's good that you have to embody it in stuff. You know, it's it's it's. Um, I hell, I was uh, a couple weeks ago. I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for for a work related event, and the only thing they, they, they which is an hour away of Chicago. That's why I bring it up. It's an hour, I think, south of Chicago. And on the lakes, and the only thing they export out of there is freaking cheese curds and beer. And I became lactose intolerant, and I can't have a beer ever since. It's just because Miller's there, so you have Miller Light, Miller yeah, High yeah. Life, freaking. Uh, well, that's the, you know, the whole thing with uh, Laverne and Shirley. Isn't Laverne they, and Shirley was there. The bottling plant. <laughs> yeah, uh, Happy Days was there, and uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was there. So uh, you saw Jeffrey. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see him, but it, the, where they took down the apartment complex that he was built that he was in and now it's just a, a lot we're going off on a tangent yeah, yeah. my point is yeah so it's nice nice country nice lay of land there uh, and uh, i mean other that's uh, unfortunately like a soundtrack album yeah has never been, i don't think it's ever been released for dutch there's you can actually get the alan silvestri score the, yeah the album cool. yeah but like you know a traditional soundtrack of like the songs you can't have because like he got the ventures pipeline which is one of my favorite songs yeah. that's playing in the diner um, one of my favorite music cues in the whole movie is when they're in the in that like Trans Am or whatever with with the the, oh, hook, the, two, the two girls with the prostitutes and it's a song called Desire by a band called Yellow and it's like a very like eighties it's got like a Michael Mann yeah <laughs> to it it's like it's well, it's very a, it gets very dramatic the music is so intense it's a whole it's a whole great sequence there I mean uh, you know they get to the they get to the shitty motor in where we hear Dwight Yoakam playing in the background and um, uh, there's a lot of animosity between the two of them Ethan Emery goes out to get his bag out of the car wants to be a little asshole gets in the car you know puts it in gear drives around. And then he ends up getting the car totaled, gets hit by a truck. He's 
Ethan's uh, all right, obviously. And uh, the car gets totaled, gets T-boned by a tractor trailer, so they're out of a car. And luckily, Ethan was okay, but now they're hitching. And there's a little funny part in the movie where he's like, I don't want to hitch. And then you see, like, Ed O'Neill doing some comics. There's, there's some little plays there where you could tell that, they're, you know, Eth- uh, not Ethan, uh, Ed O'Neill's trying to like, eat the scenery a little bit where yeah, he's like, yeah. play with the idea of trying to hitch. So you see him, like, working his thumb out, you know, like he's done it yeah, before. Yeah, he's yeah. creaking at the old boy out. Or there's, there's another scene, too, where you see him, like, you know, being uh, Ed O'Neill trying to do some funny stuff. And then they get... Uh, you know, Ed, Ed O'Neill's trying to like tell him, like, look, you got to look sad. You got to look. F-. And then this is when they're starting to bond. And he's yeah, like, yeah. OK, it's really the first sense you get that they're like, actually, you know, because after that horrifying thing where we're for a second when the truck, uh, you know, Ethan Emery leaves the car in the road. And the next thing you see is a truck barreling down and Ed O'Neill's like, oh, my God. And it gets T-boned. And for a second, you think uh, Ethan Emery could still be in the car. And it's a very serious scene there. And, you know, Ed O'Neill's like, oh, my God, is, you know, and the car is destroyed and come to find out he's not there. And then the. There's a little more of a camaraderie there. Like, you could have been killed. What the fuck? I'll, you know, I'll tell the cops you, you were, you know. So now they're bonding. And, uh, you know, what, uh, Ed O'Neill's trying to show them how to, like, properly hitch, how to look real sad so we yeah, can get yeah. a ride. And these two girls, these hot-ass 20-year-olds who are, like, in a Camaro or a Trans Am, <laughs> see them and they're like, oh, look how sad. Come on. And then you come to find out that they're, uh, they're call girls prostitutes. And they have no qualms about it either. I thought it was going to turn into a thing where Ed O'Neill's going to be like, you want to get your rocks off to the kid? You know, that's what would happen with my dad. Like, I wanted to show the kid a good time in the backseat. You know, it's, it'll be his first time. Um, but there's a lot of the sex in the movie, like the beginning where it's like they, they go to that fire, the fire, uh, the fireworks. Store. They're, they're the fireworks store in Tennessee, I think they're in. And it's like, it looks like fucking Vegas. Yeah, and they yeah. show up to this place and they shoot it to make it look like it's like Atlantic City or Vegas with all the lights. And he goes in and it's hilarious, those parts where like there's no sound. And he's like, fireworks. <laughs> you can't <laughs> hear it. Yeah. You can read his lips. And he comes out with all these fireworks. And that becomes a big sequence in the movie where they go in the middle of nowhere and they start lighting fireworks off. And that was, I think, also in the trailers. Yeah, that's like the big set piece. Yeah, because the during movie. the credits, you see them like, set, like look what we were able to do. Like you get all, you, like they we have all this extra fireworks footage. We'll, we'll just have, yeah. We'll have Ed O'Neill just set off fireworks and that'll be the credits. And it's, you know, it is, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of that section of the movie and you're like when you see him through the door and he's just like mouthing like you know come on out or fireworks and stuff and then the fireworks sequence there is actually a lot of like kind of it becomes like almost like a silent movie yeah to a certain extent he's like just doing a lot of some of those and some of it is funny yeah he's just a lot of improv with fireworks physical comedy going on there um but he also buys a a stack of um nudie playing cards and then it's like <laughs> it's it completely 80s where he's like and I got some nudie cards and then like the music starts and he's like doing a card trick and he's like has the girl coming up on the card and uh, Ethan Embry's eyes are like bulging like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. It's, it's very much like a John Candy moment you know and then, <laughs> then he doesn't well, here's the thing I mean for all you kids out there who are like in their 20s yeah who might be listening to this there was a time <laughs> yeah <laughs> When at, you know, when adolescent boys, yeah, you couldn't. We had to scrounge around, yeah, for, for your, material, yeah, for your nudies, and it was there'd be like you'd be pulling like brawl ads out of the Sears catalog. Yeah, you were looking, or, yeah, you were looking at the lingerie section with your J.C. Pennies, <laughs> or, or uh, you know, National or like Lamb, some National kid you knew whose brother who had an older brother who bought like a pack of nudie yeah, cards uh, or a pen that when you turn it upside down, oh, the girls' clothes, the, the bikini girl. would go away. <laughs> I mean, you think about back then, it's like the. Uh, you know, the, the X-rated, uh, it was so much harder to find back then. And people don't realize that, that like th- the imagery of the time was that was why you had a Playboy, you had a penthouse and, and, and the like. And for young kids, it, it, 
you know, uh, nude images weren't readily available. So yeah. if you didn't have, we like, didn't have in this our case, thing called the internet. Yeah, you could just you can Google the the sickest thing your mind can come up with. You, you know? can just put anybody's name and and tits, and then you'll see a, and then go to Google Images, and you'll see it. I <laughs> mean, you just set. think of how spoiled kids are today. Where we like, if you didn't have, in my case, an, a best friend whose older brother who had a porn magazine collection or whatever, or you couldn't get a God forbid you saw a video, or not God forbid, God bless you. <laughs> So you, it was a lot harder to find, you know, inspiration to do things with. And yeah. uh, so that's why it's like it's funny. These like, we, again, we talk about uh, Last Starfighter where the kid has a Playboy subscription or, <laughs> or this movie where like Ethan Embry later on in the movie, he like steals the pack of cards. So he's like in his bed looking at the, the nudie things and like you know, Ed O'Neill wakes up, looks over, is like, ha, ha, ha. Like, I'm glad he's got, there's, he's got like a, a There's like another thing. It's like there's there's this motif in the movie where like Ed O'Neill's watching him while he's pretending to be asleep, which is a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and he smiles. He's like, ah, the kid's got a little stiffy. He might Back. play with himself over there. Ah, you know, <laughs> I'll just turn over and act like I don't know what's going on. You know, anyway, so the the hooker scene. Yeah, the so there's prostitutes call girls. Yeah, and then you we get the girl who the like we said the uh, the one girl E. G. Daly who's from Pee Wee's Big Adventure who's Tommy Pickles and the other girl Ari Myers in the back seat, and then nice little scene there, and then uh, they drop them off at a truck stop. They're gonna go, they'll say we'll meet you inside. They lifted uh, Ed O'Neill's wallet. Ed O'Neill's wallet, and I think they take the luggage as well. And then they're sitting inside, and they realize the car's gone. Ed O'Neill's like fuck. Uh, you know, and then but the, 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 that scene has a, it's a really atypical music cue for that for that movie. Yeah. Um, well, it's also I think that it's like it's the stylized like the yeah, life yeah. that they are the living. They're in a flash and car. it's got that enough thing. I it's got that. I think the sequence where she tries to take the ring off his finger is really funny. Yeah. Because then when they stop and they don't, she tries to she tries to use lotion to like. Well, first she tries to, to use it. He falls asleep, so she she sees that he's got stuff on him. So what she does is she she Ed O'Neill sitting shotgun, so she leans Ed O'Neill onto her like he's putting her, her his head on her shoulder while she's driving. So she lifts his wallet while she's doing that, and then she sees on his right arm, which is furthest away from her. Is a nice like pinky ring with a like that Ed O'Neill likes to punch people with, you know, <laughs> and he gives a little jewel. So she grabs that, she can't get it off. She starts using her tongue, which is very phallic and sexual. Yeah. I thought she was going to start sucking on his finger and he's going to wake up because, of course, I hadn't seen the movie. Then she gets lotion out, which again is very phallic. And then you have one of these really interesting, like very well produced close up yeah. of the lotion cover. So it's like it, it looked very much like, hey, that's a lot of production value went into getting that close up, you know. <laughs> Get the macro lens. Yeah, out. they get it like a, you know, they they even like replicated the car interior in the studio. It's, it's actually closer. like a giant, yeah. like a That's giant bottle. Like. <laughs> it's like it looks like like Star Trek Two, where it's the ear. It's Paul Paul Winfield's ear is actually the size of a fucking kitchen table. You don't realize when that thing goes in them. It's actually like a hand puppet. Yeah, with the, with the earwig thing. You know, with this thing, it's like you know that you don't realize that they're actually shooting the things like ten feet tall. And so the giant lotion bottle. She's trying to get the lotion out, and it squirts into Ed O'Neill's mouth. Yeah, it's yeah. And I thought, that, I thought, see, since I hadn't seen the movie, I thought it was going to get really dirty in my mind. I thought she was going to get like lotion all over her mouth, and Ed O'Neill's going to wake up I'm like, "Oh my god, what have I done?" You know? But uh, yeah, so then when they stop at the, at the rest stop, you just see like him like licking his teeth. Yeah, know, he like, gets because like, like, <laughs> it went down his throat, and he wakes up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's got the taste in his mouth. Like, what the fuck like, is that? Uh, it's funny. Better Neil's fu- he's funny. In this he's movie. he's great in anything. You know, he's 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 he really, you know, he's a really good actor. Um, and then, you know, and then the other thing that I think is weird about the movie is that like we talk about the Alan Silvestri score, but the big, the big like noticeable the theme 
Like Dutch's theme yeah, yeah. is not by Alan Silvestri. It's another song by this band Yellow that did the song Desire. Okay. Um, oh, the same song that was in the car. I mean, yeah, same band. Yeah. The yeah yeah. It's just like every time, like you know, it's probably probably first comes up with the with the playing cards. Oh, that okay. And then it comes back at the end when he's going to shoot him. It, it happens like three or four times. This piece of music, like a like big horn section song. It's called Tied Up, also by the band Yellow. So. Like what is known as like the Dutch theme song is this racy kind of is not even the Alan Silvestri song. It's not even part of the Alan Silvestri score. It's actually by this band, Yellow, who uh, John uh, Hughes must have liked. I mean, there's they got three songs on the soundtrack. I mean, the soundtrack is very much a John Hughes thing. I mean, if you look on like uh, well, he produced the movie as well. Yeah, he's one of the producers, so like he must have had it. So even though he didn't direct it, it does. It has a lot of it has a a a lot of his fingerprints. Big feel, a big John Hughes feel Uh, to it. Yeah, and I like that whole idea with the, with the gun. I mean, the BB gun. It's like even though at the, you know because uh, Ethan Embry shoots uh, at the beginning when they first meet, shoots Ed O'Neill a couple times with the BB gun, and the whole thing through the movie is like I'm going to get you back with it, and he hides it, yeah. and he takes it, and then at the end of the movie, like you know, they're friends now. It's happy. They're they're at Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, they're all having a good dinner, and he's like, "Go get me something," and then you know, as he's walking away, like he takes the gun out. It's like so, and she and the mother's like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Very much like 50s. Like, <laughs> whatever you want to, you're going to shoot my son with a BB gun? You know, can you, I don't know. I can't imagine that happening. Um, one of my favorite things about the movie, and I wonder if it's in the script or if it was like an Ed O'Neill kind of invention, is that only when shit gets serious does he actually call him Doyle. Oh, yeah. I've, I've noticed that. Throughout he, the entire movie. He purposely movie, makes call, a, a he new calls name. Dale. You know, whatever. He calls them all these other names. But which I think it's hilarious because there's like no bigger, like, asshole thing to do. So, yeah, somebody. It's just like you can't even name. remember their name. It's like, what, I forget what, I guess maybe with the, when we were talking about, uh, the Peter Laurie movie that we did for Halloween. Mad Love. When we were talking about Mad Love, we talked about, I was talking about one of my favorite scenes in film history is from Casablanca. And he's like, you hate me, don't you, Rick? He's like, if I thought about you, I probably would, which is like the worst <laughs> thing. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I, don't, I don't even think about it. You don't even factor into any kind of equation where I would even put thought into it. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like that is, like, this device. It's equatable like, to. It's like, it, like, never even gets his name right. Like, I don't even care enough about you that I would remember what your name is. And you're right, because any, and then he, you know, in the scene where he thinks he, he was in the car accident, yeah, yeah. he's like, Doyle! Yeah, yeah when like, shit gets yeah. real, yeah, he does know it. But um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really funny thing that they, throughout the entire movie, he's like, Dale. Dave, you know, it's every D name you can think of is what he calls the kid until the scene, the shit, the scenes where the shit gets real. Yeah. Now, in like any kind of like, uh, I would say any John Hughes movie, but in any kind of movie in general, you know, there's got to be like an arc. So we've established that the arc of this movie is that these two guys, this like, you know, Oscar Madison, Felix Unger, you know, this odd couple. Uh, same as in Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, they're going to take this road trip together, and then the expectation is that during this road trip they're going to get to know each other they're going to become friends or whatever what's going to happen so uh of course like you kind of figure out if you just know anything about dramatic structure that like basically doyle's going to go from being like a major douchebag to lovable hopefully he's going to come around <laughs> to warming up by the end of the movie at least you hope now It'd be hilarious if you, you broke the structure now my question is he's such he's so good in the asshole role for the first half of the movie yeah do you believe his that 
do you, are you because then there's like little things that come back like right when you start to like him you start to see that he's starting to like oh then he's like he talks about how he can beat up Ed O'Neill like he's my question to you is like do you feel like it works I think it does but at the same time I think it, you could tell it's hurried because of the pl- the, the, the the pace of the movie where they have to keep it going because un- un- like unlike again planes trains and automobiles where a lot seems to happen on their road trip once they can't take that plane to yeah. the end of the movie when they end up in Chicago. This movie doesn't seem like a lot happens. We've established that, you know, um, that he picks them up. They have issues. He leaves them to the car. He walks to the, to the motel. He takes the car, totals the car. They hitchhike with the hookers. The hookers leave them there. And then they're stuck at the, at the, uh, at the choke and puke for a minute. Two people see him. They're like, oh, my God, father and son, we'll take you somewhere. They take him to a family rec center for the holiday. And then this is when they start bonding and then they're having dinner and then they're realizing, you know, there's people who have it bad in this world and Ethan Embry starts coming around. A little girl wants a piece of his food. She, he says no, but then he gives her half of the bread. So, like, you know, he's, he yeah. gets some, so. And then he has that discussion with the little girl's mom. About, and, yeah. About his mom. Of what's going on. And it's, a, it's almost part two of the conversation he had with the hooker in the back seat, which is very <laughs> funny. Where yeah, she's yeah. like, she knew everything. And he's like, and he was like that's what she's paid. That she's paid to that's talk. That's her job. Yeah, to, to, to be able to talk well. So, and then by the end of it, you don't realize that's the end of the movie, basically. After that, they're like, okay, uh, you know, we're, and then they get home. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it happens so quick. But in that rec center when they spend that night with a little comedy with him with the beds, which yeah, is Yeah, which funny. It is, it is genuinely funny. Yeah, he's, playing, he's sleeping on this cot, and he just... They're, like, all in a big... They're in a big room, so all the families are sleeping in the same room, like in a gym or something, and then his cot keeps falling apart because it wasn't put together right, so he switches cots with Ethan Embry. They have a little heart-to-heart. Then right before the scene ends, that cot breaks again that, that Ed O'Neill switched to, which is funny. And then it's real, really nice where... You have the the black family who takes him, who's almost like the black version of the Griswolds, because they're in yeah, like a yeah. beat up, like uh, early eighties uh, uh, wood panel wagon. station wagon. They drop him off, and it's really nice. They drop him off at O'Neill's, like, hey, Monday, because you find out that the 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 father of the family lost his job in in a steel mill or whatever, I, you know, because in the nineties there was a recession that hit not as big as what happened in two thousand eight, but a lot of people lost their their jobs around that time, especially the steel worker and all those industries out west or those mining towns, the towns that were built around uh, factory centers and stuff. And she says that you know my my husband lost a job in the steel thing, and then Ed O'Neill says to him, "Hey, Monday morning you come around. Yeah, I'll, first call, first thing Monday morning. I'll like, get you a job. Give some a business. And that's like now that's here's so the sweet. Thing. Now that it's a it's a very sweet thing. But he could have been completely bullshit. No, no, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to be as jaded as that. But okay. don't you think it would have been a nicer thing? This this family is staying like in a rec center. I don't know where they're going. Oh, maybe come, come on in. Maybe they have plans for Thanksgiving, but it doesn't seem like likely. Yeah. Instead of like, why don't you come in? To have a giant turkey for three of us. <laughs> and he does drop him off at, like, a proper mansion manor house. I mean, it's not just, like, an, a, a condo. So I feel like it's a little bit of an... I mean, I understand for, the for like, the purpose of the plot. Yeah. You really can't have, like, this family there for or the Or he could even... He could just say, hey, you know what? We have a... Uh, you know, a lot of those houses are big enough yeah, where they have, like, like a, a... pool house or something. Yeah, like a house. You, like, you guys can go stand in the granny flat that's in the back or something, you know. <laughs> He's like, yeah, give me a call. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, come Monday. Instead of, like, come on in, yeah. have, have dinner with us. Yeah. I, I could tell the car's on E. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see you later. It's not fending that well. Uh, yeah, and then they get home, and then it's like, uh, you know, and I love the whole ending with um, Ed O'Neill straightening out Christopher McDonald. Yeah. You know, punches him in the face, and you know, then he then he's kind of like he's got a concussion, and he's yeah, like, <laughs> my, Christopher Down might not have made it home. 
And again, it's like the 80s plot where it's like, who cares? He, he punches him in the face. He like tells him, you're going to be good to her. And you're going to blah, blah, blah. And you're going to give her six months. And he's like, he's like, ah. And then they, they can barely walk to his car. You know, so it's very funny. And there's a pratfall or two. And then, you know, there's that pratfall that Ed O'Neill takes. I forget when in the movie when they're outside in the dark. And he's in, you know, of course, his, his winter clothes. And it's so much reminiscent of Home Alone. Like he takes one of these big old. Oh, his, yeah, yeah. His feet come out from under him and he falls right on his back. And I was like, you know, I was like, I bet you this predates Home Alone. But then I realized. Home Alone came out at the same time, if not before. So I was like, oh, because I thought a lot of elements of the Home Alone movie were going into this, the what would become the Macaulay Culkin character, like a lot of the themes. That's why I, I'm so interested. I want to see if anybody will, some out there, some cr- sort of critical analysis of John Hughes and can take all the characters and extemporate where they, you know, arcs and Well, there's a lot of, you themes. know, definitely, well, there's definitely, there's a very, in a lot of John Hughes movies, there is this dichotomy of, like, the wealthy and like the poor, yeah. Now, but the poor in John Hughes's movies are like lower middle class, yeah. The working not man. like poor, poor, yeah. Not you know? yeah. Um, you know, so like, there's a lot of discussion of that in this movie, and that, and that Ed O'Neill certainly comes from like those kinds of like humble beginnings. And there's also a lot of uh, there's just a lot of discussion of that. Even like you're like Pretty in Pink, that, that's like. The Andrew McCarthy and the Molly Ringwald character, and then of course she brought up uh, Breakfast Club with uh, Claire Standish. She's uh, she's very she comes from a wealthy family, and uh, Bender uh, Judd Nelson's character is it comes from from a, a lower income family. So there's definitely like a lot of those themes are going on in. Uh, but it's, you, get, you, you get a lot of directors who will stick out a, you know, a, a particular theme what and I ride find, it through their career. Sure. You know? I find what's brilliant about John Hughes's movies in terms of especially uh, from a writing standpoint, not, some, not as much from a directing standpoint just because this doesn't have as much to do with it, is that his best, he's, he, set, he sets up like a timeline like really well, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's that day. You know, he ends up throwing all these shenanigans into a set timeline. Uh, well, it, sometimes I guess maybe will work better for you because that will force you to be able to get out. Yeah, like, Breakfast Club you know, is like that Saturday, day, that yeah. Saturday of detention. You know, uh, he does a brilliant Plains trains is is what uh, that well, it's like the Monday before Thursday Thanksgiving or yeah, Home Alone it's is. A, I feel like it's a stroke of brilliance, and I would say like anybody. That really works. That wants to like learn how to, you know, yeah. like write a script. I mean, I feel like it's a, it's the same thing that works with, you know, Back to the Future or Taken, which is a movie that I, yeah, you, you set a like, clock up. There's like you got X amount of hours, you got X <laughs> amount of days before you need to get something done, and um, it's something that uh, to definitely a certain, certainly a lesser extent that John Hughes does with his movies, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a, it's a. It's a great, great thing device. that, that yeah. he does over and over again, and he makes it. It's not a tired thing that he does over and over again. You know, he man, he manages to set up that clock without being like, there it is. The you clock know, that timeline. You know, by but, you know, by it, switching it up, and I feel like a road trip. You know, getting home by Thanksgiving, in both planes, trains, and automobiles, and this is like it's a really great narrative. Uh, I think device. It, it, it helps people hit home a little better. You're able to internalize it and, and personalize it a little more with yourself with the story because it's like you can visualize there's a time frame. 
have it be taken where you have, I don't know, like two days to get your yeah, daughter yeah. back. This one, they don't really or stress this. it. Like, I don't even no. know when he goes to pick them up. Yeah. But you do know that, like, they, there's Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving the ultimate. Thanksgiving is the... Dropped the, in. Is, is the, is yeah. Like the yeah, and there's not, like... It's a, the finish line. As in p- planes, trains, where you have the deadline, are we going to make it in time? Yeah. Uh, this one is just, like, you know, we, we have time. We can fuck off. We're, like, you know, there is even a point where Ethan Embry's like, you know, we could have been home by now. And he's like, I know. <laughs> well, you know, we're doing it the old-fashioned way to teach you, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it works because it really does help people, especially for myself. I love if it's used properly. It's like, oh, you can visualize yourself in that what are you doing then or whatever, and it, it, it helps the audience a little more. Uh, I guess my only criticism with the movie is I wish there was a little more Thanksgiving in it because, you know, it's, it's yeah. much like Planes, Trains where it's emphasized more. Thanksgiving's at the end, and I can't knock it. It is a Thanksgiving movie, but it would have been cooler if it was a little more... Where thanks, uh, planes, trains. Ultimately, it has a lot of themes of like family and togetherness for the holiday. Yeah, yeah. it'd be cool if there was a little more of maybe you know, which I guess is alluded to in the rec center where they're like you know the family. Yeah, they try to they uh, definitely like that's their attempt at like the heart. Yeah, that planes, trains, and automobiles, which is kind of beautifully. Yeah, in planes, trains, and automobiles. It humanizes Ethan Embry, uh, where he's like you know, th- there's people who are out there who 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 don't deserve to be in a lesser financial situation, but they're stuck here. You should really value and cherish what you have. If you have money or you have a family or whatever. Yeah, so. It doesn't, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful scene and it, and it does work in terms of what it's attempting to do. And it, it's important for the Ethan Embry characters, uh, you know, arc, but it's not as, I don't feel like it's as powerful as, as like what you're saying. I agree. Like the, that need of like family, that Thanksgiving spirit, yeah, it's there, but it's not. It could have been a little more stressed. Just, just, but just it would a be little, a fine line to yeah. be like over the top. Exactly, it was, it was a, it's a tough. So there, scene. There, I mean, I could tough. see why they're 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 holding back on it. But if they added a little more salt and pepper, maybe they could have got a little. And you know, it's nice because at the end of the movie, you know, you have two things kind of going on. Uh, he becomes almost a man. Ethan Embry kind of grows up and realizes yeah. with, with the nudie cards as well as the, uh, the hookers <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and as yeah. well as like realizing that he's, he's a bratty little fucking shit. Yeah. And he comes you know? around and like, rea- and, and that, that thing of like realizing that his mom isn't the bad guy. Yeah. And then in turn, the second thing is Ed O'Neill gives her his, her son back. Yeah. You know, not only literally yeah, brings like him back, but, but, but he fig- figuratively the son is like when he's, he's like mom and he, he, he pushes the, the, the stepfather out because at the end of the movie you find out the stepfather wasn't no father. Uh, I'm sorry the real father uh, Christopher McDonald wasn't going away he was just fucking off he was with another girl and then that morning he shows up and he's like I want my son I don't, I don't even know what card yeah, he was trying yeah. to play there he's like I want my son back for Thanksgiving and then someone the Ethan Embry opens the door his father's there and he's like I, you're an asshole you're, you were supposed to be away and then he pushes him aside and runs to his mom so it's like yeah. Ed O'Neill is actually giving his the, you know the, the, the relationship back which is nice so uh, yeah, it was great, and it's it's fun, and, and, and I also liked too that, you know, uh, Ethan Embry was sitting on that high horse of like, you know, my dad's better than you, I'm better than you. But uh, even though Ed O'Neill was a, a, a middle class, hardworking, that he is it, near the end of the movie, you know, they pass like a, a building being built, and you see it says uh, yeah, Dutch, Dutch Doolittle Construction. Construction. You know, yeah. he has a company. He and is. You know, a, it's it's you know, it's a very subtle thing. And he also says to at one point where he's like. Ed O'Neill's like, or Ethan Embry's like, you're nobody. He's like, you know, let me tell you something. He's like, you know, I make more money than your mother is given. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, don't fucking fuck around with me, you know. Yeah, so it's he's nice implying that, that, like, he's only into his mom for the money. And yeah. And he's like, 
I make but, more money in a year than your your dad gives your mom the the allowance or whatever yeah, you call yeah, that. Yeah. So please, you know. And I think one of the things that's really a beautiful thing, and uh, maybe it's because I'm I come from uh, you know divorced parents and I have a stepdad and stuff. There is like that moment where he's talking to the the mother in the in the shelter, and she's like, "Is that your dad?" And, oh, and instead of he like, waits try- a minute. Instead of like saying no, he just goes with it, yeah. which is a very—it's a little thing. No, but it's big, and it's also but, big but for Ed O'Neill because he hears it. But it's a big deal, yeah. And Ed O'Neill like, like opens his eyes again. He's staring at the kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's, pre- he's pretending to sleep but yet again, <laughs> and he smiles, and it's like a warm—it's warm to say, "Yeah, he is my dad." And then he, and then he says, "Did you hear? Did you hear me talking?" And he, and Ed O'Neill's like, "Not really." And he's like, "Well, it's true, or something like that, or I meant it." Or something. Well, which you is, are an it's asshole. a little fat, you know. It's a little yeah. quick for but a relationship. It's but nice, it, but it it was a little it was a little moment that yeah, I thought was a, it was a subtle thing that I think says a lot. Yeah, it pulls out a lot of heartstrings for people who were in those situations. No. Yeah, and it's it means a lot for people to, especially both sides, for uh, a child to say that about a, a, a parent or guardian, and then for the guardian to actually get that natural response from the child. It's also very nice to say, oh, okay, he considers me not the replacement, but the surrogate in, in yeah, their yeah. life, which is, well, that's what he says to the, he says that to Christopher McDonald, which is also a good little speech before, you know, before he punches him in the head. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is very nice. It's, it's very, you know, uh, it's another testament to, to Ed O'Neill, uh, the Dutch Julie character in the movie where he could have been like, you know, fuck you, yeah, stay yeah. out of his life. But he is as much as a nice, hardworking, honest guy. He is. He says, you know, hey, I'm never going to be his yeah. father. That's your job. Yeah, he's like, I'm his friend. Yeah, but you're his father. And you have to be there in his life. You have to step up to the plate. And that's great. It's like that's so like you know heartwarming. So like you know, uh, Ed O'Neill is really taking one for the team in this whole movie. Like you know, really you know, doing the the man's job of it's you know uh, of going and doing this and and you know he may not get the credit or recognition, but he's he's doing the Lord's work. And you the know? other thing that I find funny before we wrap it up is that he gets his shoes stolen in the bus. <laughs> Oh, the uh, Ethan Embry, <laughs> yeah. and he's got these like freaking—I uh, don't he's know what you call like, those. He's got like Reebok sneakers on or something. They don't even look like they're that. And they don't even look like they'll fit the guy either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're, 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 they're after they lose the car, they're on a bus, and uh, you know the the it's it's funny that the, the people next to Ethan Embry because they're sitting separated. Ed O'Neill's at the front of the bus. They're on like on a coach, a Peter Pan, and he's like, "Hey, can you turn the music down?" And Ed O'Neill's like, "Ha!" He stood up for himself. But then the people yeah. like are assholes, and it's really funny because nowadays they don't look and tough you, at all. Yeah, they're like in Cosby sweaters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and you think that like they're just like fucking with the kid, like yeah. just to intimidate him. He's like, "How much are those sneakers? They look expensive, and they're like not. They're like what sixes? They're, they're so small. <laughs> he's <laughs> a little kid. Yeah, because in the next scene, you're right. They take his sneakers, and but he's." The next shot is like they get off the bus that we see that like, he's, like, got a like shot. he's got like these pips. Shoes yeah, he's on. got like these freaking Which, dress by the way, shoes. Look or... exactly when he's in the bath in the public bathroom with the old guy who's like cleaning his armpits. Oh, yeah. He's wearing like the same exact shoes as that guy. That guy's great. He's like, he said the guy says something. You're working forward to your turkey. Yeah. <laughs> And that's life. You know, I go into Grand Central all the time. I go down and take a piss, and I see some guy taking yeah. a bath in a sink. <laughs> yeah, well, you, know, you gotta, gotta hygiene when you can. Yeah, man. yeah, well, wherever you can. So, uh, yeah, good movie, good Thanksgiving movie. You yeah. Know? So you'd never seen it. I mean, what what did you th- what did you like? Were there any expectations for it? Uh, yeah, yeah, there were because it because it beca- you know it's it's riding on the coattails again of planes, trains, and automobiles, and John Hughes is a part of it. So you know. Uh, Seeing it, you have some expectations. I think I achieved them all. Uh, there were elements of it that I realized were a little more low budget than I thought. Like there's some scenes like near the beginning where they kind of looks like they shot it like uh, I, it, 
they had a $17 million budget, but it didn't seem like they did. Like, there's certain scenes where, like, say, Ed O'Neill's in the car, and, like, you know, he's looking back at him, and it's just shot real. It's like you and I in film school, like, we got the camera in the back seat. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? And, like, the eye lines aren't even Yeah, really so, so it's, <laughs> so, so, I know, you know, they, I know this yeah. thing you're talking about. So there's a couple of things where it's like, oh, they just grabbed that. They stole that shot, or maybe they, they didn't realize they had coverage, so they had to go back and reshoot it really quickly, yeah, and they just yeah. went around the block. So there's elements of that where I was like, oh, this doesn't look like it's as produced as one of these uh, John Hughes movies. But yeah, yeah. aside from that, I mean, it's dated, young. Ethan Embry, young uh, Ed O'Neill. It's very fun, as you and I have already uh, lamented that to see them ten years later, and, and you know that they still have this relationship, the two actors and Dragnet. That's fun, and uh, yeah, I, I liked it, and I love. I'm a, I'm a sucker for holiday movies, so it was nice to see that there was another Thanksgiving movie out there that was like a positive Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, so. we're gonna. Th- there's at least one more. I think it's Thanksgiving. Not John Hughes, but there's there's like a Holly Hunter movie that's like a family Thanksgiving movie. I don't know. We might have to look into that one because now we're gonna get we're getting to the end of our. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, ju- well <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do next. They just end. came out with. Uh, I think it was on Lifetime recently. They 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 we're premiered that turkey animated movie next year. Well, well, they they premiered a Jim Henson. Uh, it was a Jim Henson's a lot, yeah. turkey something, and it was it looked like a Mary Steenburgen. Yeah, it looked like. Uh, Wizard of Oz meets like Labyrinth. I didn't watch it yet. I I, I DVR'd <laughs> it, but turkeys. Well, there's like a lot of like those labyrinth esque creatures. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, it's some wo- woman say she's the Dorothy character walking through an Ozish kind of land, and there's characters like you're going to, t-, you know, who knows if it's like you're going to see the turkey, you're going to see the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but that you know, who knew that they're like you know. So and I also think that like you know, I love Christmas movies. And well, I think, I think you know, I think part of it is that like. I think you need more Thanksgiving movies. Is my you point. need more Thanksgiving movies, but I think of the reason why there aren't as many Thanksgiving movies is because there's not too many places that celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a really limited market. I mean, well, yeah, the, the don't US. like U.S. and like Canada has a Thanksgiving. I think mm. but it's not at the same time. You know, and I then I don't even know if it what it means. And sadly, <laughs> you be, see on the calendar like, <laughs> like Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, know what they're thankful, what they're being thankful for. The French, who knows? I mean, you know, and then sadly, since the financial meltdown in two thousand eight all these financial institutions or these these companies now they're trying to meet their bottom line so after halloween they're just pushing christmas on you so now thanksgiving is kind of like you know getting pushed away so that here comes christmas buy all of our stuff because they want their christmas season cycle to be more generate more revenue so i can see in 10 years or 20 years thanksgiving really just being coming like president's day where no one really cares well us growing up that was like a big you know it's like you know freaking labor day halloween Thanksgiving is the big thing. That's the prelude to Christmas. Yeah. You know, which now just seems like it's getting marginalized because people aren't patriotic anymore. People have shit like, oh, Thanksgiving's actually like, you know, fucking Dean's Day or Native (laughs) Americans Day. And it's like, come on, what the fuck's wrong with you? Can't you have joy in anything, you fucking son of a bitch? (laughs) You jerk. Yeah, I hate fucking people nowadays. Anyhow. All right, so Dutch. Dutch, I'd say. Dutch down. Dutch, yeah, Dutch down, I would say four, four, four out of five. Four out of five. Yeah, why not? I'm impressed. Well, it's it's a feel good movie. You can watch it. You, this is a movie you can watch. You know, that's what I. These movies are fun. That that you can um, do a movie and you can it it like playing strains. It holds up. It's a it's like Christmas movies. You can watch a Christmas movie every and year. I think you know uh, the soundtrack and stuff. I mean, it's uh, it's dated, but I think it aged well. Yeah, I mean because it became a cult classic and it is certainly dated, but that's think, the allure. And of I it. think what works about it is. Because you couldn't have... Still works. You could, Like a lot of these stories, if you were to remake Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, you were, re- were to remake Dutch, there's a lot of modern 2015, 16 elements that you're now having to, you know, cell phones. And th- you, you can't have that story anymore, really. 
So it's yeah, true. It, it's kind of like it, it's kind of like a time capsule of of our youth yeah, of going yeah. on a you know there's nothing that says like north the northeast where I grew up and you grew up in better than like the fall and you have those days and around like where like it get, it's getting dark at like four o'clock and you're coming home from school and it's cold out and there's wet leaves all over the ground <laughs> and like yeah, you yeah. know it's like geez I got school tomorrow mom's got you know. Uh, dinner on the table and it gives you that feel of like the uh, even though it's not the northeast but it gives you that like yeah, yeah. I like I love I'm a proponent I love the winter a lot of people don't like the winter so I like winter movies and it's nice to see like them shooting a movie out and you're in the cold and the, you're out in the element so it's fun all around word I I'll agree I'll give it uh, four bucket of pizzas uh, four bucket of pizzas <laughs> I got four sleepover <laughs> stars um, do you have a recommendation you know it's a tough call because uh like we said, there are so few Thanksgiving movies. I would say certainly a double header of this and Planes, Trains would be great. Yeah. And a double header of listening to these two podcasts would be great. Would be sweeter. And I'd be interested to see how much crossover we, now, like, we've, we've done with the, with the podcast. Because well, they're both John Hughes. They're both John yeah. Hughes. They're both they're, Thanksgiving. They're companion They're both... Uh, just like their companion movies, the companion cast. Yeah. I wonder if there's a lot of overlap. Now, like next year, if we were to do a movie like, say, Miracle on 34th Street, would that be considered a Thanksgiving movie? Because it starts on Thanksgiving Day at the Thanksgiving Parade and ends at Christmas. That's a good, like... That's true. Because it ends maybe. Christmas Day, right? When she finds the house. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope people know. I hope people have seen... Uh, Forget you know. you've heard that. Yeah. And also, that's John... We, can, we could technically do the remake... Yeah. Uh, with, uh, what's his face? Uh, Dermot. Uh, Mc Dylan McDermott. McDylan McDermott. <laughs> Dylan McDermott. And uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Which uh, one is in that movie? Dylan McDermott. Hey, my Dermot Mulroney. No, Dermot McDermott. Dylan McDermott. And then uh, what's his face who uh, my wife loves? Um, uh, who's Welcome to Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. The guy from. Uh, 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 his brother is the uh, Attenborough. Yeah. Uh, Richard Attenborough. <laughs> and his brother is the presenter who does all the nature stuff. David Attenborough, yeah, he's in it. He plays Santa Claus. So, but and so, John Hughes wrote the script for that movie, yeah. the screenplay for the remake. So maybe we can sit that in and do like a little crazy. I don't know. My point it's is, I don't know. I mean, we have to you know, you could go with you could go Uncle Buck, would be a, probably a fun companion piece, not as holiday ish. I've never seen Uncle Buck, but uh, you know, we're talking about John Candy and and uh, God bless John Candy. I'll do that. I'll do Uncle Buck as my recommendation. Okay. Now, so all that at the that's a winner. That's a winner movie too. Again, he's he's definitely bundled up in it. I've never seen it. Yeah, the little Macaulay Culkin. Uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen bits of it. I've seen like of course the bit with him grilling Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Then I saw him walking to school and he's real mean. He tells he's a quarter get that mole removed. He's a cigar chomping. You know, it's a it's a. I, hell, Is it a holiday movie? I don't think it's a holiday movie, but it's but a it's John, a winner because I remember it's, it's a, a cold. It's a John Hughes esque family movie, and it was probably Macaulay's audition for uh, yeah, Home Alone because so. he because he's young in that. You're right. So that, might, so that might be a good companion piece. Um, mine is not a holiday movie because it's like how many, like you're saying, how many freaking Thanksgiving <laughs> movies can you find? But mine is also kind of like the, the father-son relationship in this uh, respect, the father-daughter. My, my pick is 1973's Paper Moon mm. uh, with um, directed by Peter Bogdanovich with uh, Ryan O'Neill and his real-life daughter, Tatum, Tatum O'Neill. Yeah. And it's Tatum's first role and she's like, eight or nine in it i think it predates um bad news bears and the plot is it takes place in the depression in the south her mom has just died uh he 
her, her father in the movie and in real life, Ryan, uh, Ryan O'Neill had never had any, um, well, in the context of the movie, had never had any relationship with her. He, sho- she, he shows up on the day of her funeral, of the mother's funeral, saying, hey, I w- I'm your father. I'm supposed to take care of you now because your mother died. Let's go. And then it's their relationship of come to find out. I think he is a, um, a con artist. So the point of the movie is she comes along with him, and then it's a movie where they're growing together doing cons in the South. And yeah. you have a lot of people in it. Uh, what's her face, uh, who I absolutely adore from the Mel uh, Blank movies? Not Mel Blank, Mel Brooks. <laughs> uh, what's Madeline Kahn? Madeline Kahn. Uh, I remembered it just before you said it. Madeline Kahn's in it, too. And it's, I think they, they shot it black and white. Paper Moon is the reference to the great song that I think Annette King Cole made famous, maybe. Uh, his his uh, vocal uh, of the song. Um, and I think Tatum O'Neill won an Oscar. Well, I know she won an Oscar for that movie, but I think she was the youngest person ever to win an Oscar. And uh, she got it. It's a great movie. It's great to see them, to know that they're actually father and daughter in real life. And it's a great one of these movies, again, where it's like the relationship builds yeah, on this yeah. crazy story. And it's very fun. It's 1973, but it's awesome. Yeah, good pick. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then... Um, yeah, check us out on Facebook. Yeah, after this, we're rolling into Christmas. We got Halloween. We got Christmas. <laughs> we're yeah, we're punching. Holiday, holiday, uh, holiday swing. Yeah, I mean, right after September, we get we went to Halloween. Now we're in Thanksgiving. Uh, we holiday had, season, man. We had Harry and the Hendersons. We, we we got a lot of positive feedback on that. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for checking us out on Facebook. We have that page to check us yeah, out on. Yeah, check us out on Facebook. We're trying to have fun over there. Yeah, you know? um, we get a lot of people writing into us, which is great. Thank you so much. Thank you for liking us. Thank you for taking the time to comment. Thank you for recommendations. Sharing, sharing your stories with us by via private message. Yeah, we've gotten a couple uh, great stories. A couple of doozies. Yeah, which we can't even talk about uh, because it's not our place it's to. It's not but our story, so we can't tell. Yeah, but it was a great Bruce Campbell story. <laughs> yeah, so related to us. Bruce Campbell story come our way. Uh, yeah, because of the Ash vs. Evil Dead, I think it was that. That and we posted. Oh, because we did the sidecast. Which but was we the, did the side, but we posted the sidecast. Of, of Bruce Ash Campbell. Uh, thank you so much for your interaction. Thank you for much for sharing our stuff, which yeah. is great. That's great for you to share it on your page to let people know if you like our stuff. Thank you for contacting us. Uh, we have a lot of stuff coming out in the future. Uh, we have, for, for me, I did a big interview with a guy that I alluded to before, Randy Jurgensen, that's coming up. We're going to have like a two-parter there. Yeah, it's going to be fun. That's uh, going to be a cool thing for the, for the site. Yeah, uh, and uh, over at Podwitz that I work at, we have some big stuff coming up in the near future there too, so check us out at podwitz.com. Our site here, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. You can find us, of course, at saturdaysleepovers.podwitz.com. We're on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Retweet us, like us, favor us, tweet us. Uh, we're on uh, hell. We're on Player FM. We're Player on FM, iTunes, iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, Stitcher, uh, Poddroid. However, however you do it, yeah, you can stream us directly uh, as well. Please check out our site, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, because we have a lot of stuff exclusive to the site. You can check our our bios. We've got pics. You of can us play. Up. It. You can play the podcast through there, or you, you can, can direct download it. You can direct deposit that click, son of a bitch. Right click that bitch. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and we have a lot of extras on each on each uh, write up that we do each posting. So we'll have stuff relevant to the movie. If it's not our private stuff that we have, that could be relevant. We have links to fun stuff. So you know, uh, we like to have patronage to the site. So come on by, leave us a little like or not. We'll leave the light on. Yeah, we'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> And if the uh, God's will and the creeks don't rise, we'll be back with you next week. Oh, also, before I, best line yes. in the movie of Dutch. Okay. Uh, 
nothing ba- nothing burps better than bacon. Nothing burps better. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Almost forgot. And it's even funnier that the, that that uh, Ethan Embry was being such an asshole that he's like, uh, "How is that glass of water?" Because he's like, <laughs> he said, "I have money to pay for my breakfast." He didn't even buy him breakfast. Nothing so burps better than bacon. Yeah, he, he couldn't even hashtag walk. that. Yeah, yeah. Let's get that trending. Ha- ha- uh, nothing burps better than bacon. Uh, and as a side note, we're talking about Bruce Campbell. Uh, we had just uh, reposted our Bruce Campbell podcast for the Sidecast, uh, and we had a link in there to Mind Warp, the the which was like our second or third. Yeah, it was uh, really early on Saturday sleepover movie. I don't know how you let me pull that pull rank on that. Well, why not? It was it was a great movie, but <laughs> a my movie that nobody's seen, can't even get. Yeah, but it's well, you, but it's on YouTube. <laughs> it's it's a great great cast, great Bruce Campbell movie. But I had just read for Halloween. I read a great book, which I guess some people know, and I'd never even heard of it, called The Neuromancer. Great, 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 great sci-fi book that I didn't even know that I was starting to read until I started reading it. I was like, wow, this is what this is about. And it's basically a sci-fi book that th- the guy who did it came out in 84. He basically coined the term about cyberspace, the internet, all this. Not the internet, but cyberspace and the web. Check out the book. But my point is that a lot of that book shows up in Mind Warp. You know, because Mind Warp is, what, 91, 92? And there's a lot of elements that we said at the time. Like, Mind Warp is just like a poor man's m- matrix that comes out in a couple yeah, years. Yeah. Well, a lot of what happens the in Mind Warp source material is, n- is Neuromancer. Neuromancer really uh, pioneered kind of uh, cyberpunk genre. And it's such a good book. I can't recommend it m- uh, more highly, Neuromancer. Uh, but it's really good. But I saw a lot of elements like, shit, if we had to redo the Mind Warp cast, I would have definitely brought it up. <laughs> so, you know, here's an editor. No, you know what we should do? We'll, we'll probably one day, if we can get all our notes together, we'll come back and do like a best of cast. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about it. We hit all the points that we missed. That we forgot you know, or, the, or updates. Updates the like we did with the, with the Bruce maybe Campbell on a, maybe one. Maybe on an anniversary. One yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do like do an update. But then we have to go back, listen to everything, and say like, oh, we forgot to, like with the Batman. We can do a whole new cast. <laughs> We didn't even get to half the stuff, and that was like a four-hour cast, oh, the Tim Burton Batman. The, yeah, the ba- our Batman cast is like two and a half hours. Amazing. And we still didn't hit everything we wanted. And we, we ate th- through half of it. <laughs> <laughs> we ate we ate like asbestos and, and, and freaking radium in it. Yeah. That's so uh, if you, uh, not if you haven't listened to that one yet, it's a long one. Yeah. Try to carve out a little bit of time. It's fun. It's fun. You can listen to that in, 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 in installments. Uh, break that bad boy up. And then, like you said, now we're, we're kicking in the door to Christmas. We, you know, hopefully we'll have some good Christmas-related movies. We've already had a suggestion for, for Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And we have already. I think we're going to do another. And it was one that we'd been, we'd been thinking about, one that we almost did last year for Christmas, actually. Yeah. And I think we already have a, a recommendation we're going to be doing in the early uh, early New Year 2016. And then we're already, we've got like, we're, we're thinking of doing like a theme in February maybe. I don't know if we're going to do it, but we were thinking of doing like a little, uh, you know, uh, you, you're looking at me like, I don't remember what we were talking about. I got to remember a theme that we discussed. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Black exploitation. I'm going to do little season. Yeah, little, 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 <laughs> little the Mac or whatever. We were t- talking about, like, you know, because we we, I forgot why we were watching black exploitation movies, uh, which I don't think is even your really cup of tea. And I was like, why don't we do it? You're like, yeah. I was like, oh, really? But hell, I don't know for it. But you know, we got a lot of st- kung fu. Was that it? That was it. Kung, yeah. Because you, you were February. talking about you were talking about doing <laughs> Last Dragon. Oh yeah. Well, we'll see. And then I was like, shit, we'll do black. You're right, kung fu. We can do like a kung fu thing. Anyway. Anyway. We got we'll a lot see. of fun got stuff so coming. So many, up. but we'll get to everything at some point. Yeah. So uh, please keep writing in. Sixty. Please keep contacting us. <laughs> if you guys have any other stories that are fun about, you know, celebrity meetings or unique stuff to your own, we promise we won't, unless you want us to, we won't, uh, you know, share them with other people, especially if 
There is uh, crazies in our Bruce Campbell story we heard from a fan of ours. So uh, take care. We'll see you in two weeks or maybe a week with the Sidecast now. Uh, check out the Randy Jurgensen Sidecast. It's coming out soon. And in two weeks, we'll be back with a Christmas. We'll be hitting Christmas. Yeah. So have a happy Turkey Day if you already had one. I hope you didn't eat too much. And uh, we love you. <laughs> Later.